Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hope you're doing well in the storm. It's here. Hurricane Dorian uh, well, just off the coast and... Some people probably look out their window and can say a little hello. Fortunately, enough off the coast to not cause uh, too much havoc <laughs> on the entire uh, first coast in northeast Florida. But uh, certainly the beach has taken a little bit of a pounding. We hope to give you a little bit of a reprieve from all the weather, especially if you have a bit of cabin fever and are uh, locked in like most people are with just about everything closed. Although I will say Wawa was open. So I uh, went and grabbed the coffee. Shout out to Wawa. Yeah, not bad. Uh, there are some places open, but I think for the most part, uh, not necessarily even from a business impact for some of them. I think more from an employee uh, impact and, and keeping everybody safe and doing the right thing uh, close throughout the area. So welcome aboard here on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Austin Lane, Coos is here as well. And uh, as I said yesterday, and as we'll continue to remind you, if you want to see some of the coverage from the weather standpoint, and, and this is about when it's right off the coast, is right about now and all afternoon, and then likely to get out of here uh, later tonight around 8 o'clock and, and beyond is, is what Mike Barish has been telling us for days and days, and, and especially today. But you can check out all the coverage on TV, on CBS 47, and on Fox 30. Nobody better than Mike Barish and the First Alert Weather Team. Uh, keeping you calm, telling you how it is, and, and just giving you the latest. And also, you can hear the updates on the weather side on the radio on 104.5 FM. But we are here to talk sports for the most part. We will be joined by Coach Yo, former Jacksonville University women's basketball coach. She will join us later today. She has practice until 4.30. She's now the head coach at Ole Miss of the women's basketball team. Did a nice job here at JU. Well, she has family and friends in the Bahamas, uh -huh. and she has started a GoFundMe to try to already get ahead of some of the efforts to raise funds for those that were impacted in a big-time way down in the Bahamas from Hurricane Dorian. It just sat there for a couple of days. So Coach Yo, who's really uh, a, a fun person to be around, uh, we are uh, thoughts and prayers with her family and so many others. Uh, she will join us a little bit later from Ole Miss and uh, how you can maybe help out and get involved. Uh, if you remember Coach Yo from the JU uh, Dolphins days as a women's basketball coach. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. Ryan O'Halloran joins us in the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, we're talking NFL, baby. It is starting up in about 24 hours. Excited about that. And then it's a game week for the Jags. Usually... This would be a big day for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'd have gone down there and talked to the Jags uh, in the locker room and the players and kind of get our stories all set up for the week. We would have 
Uh, Coach Barone talking. They'd be on the practice. It's a big day. It's usually a big Wednesday is the day of the week when it comes to prepping for the next game and kind of getting that in motion. Well, obviously it didn't happen for the Jags. We told you yesterday. We told you for the last few days that uh, Jags did not practice today. Uh, they will get back at it tomorrow at noon. And it looks like they won't have any problems getting back in the stadium uh, tomorrow at noon and then on with the rest of their week. But uh, everybody else around the NFL is getting after things. It's a normal Wednesday for just about everybody else. They are, and it's kind of like we talked about yesterday a little bit. Yes, it kind of sucks that you have to miss a practice, especially a Wednesday practice, which is usually the most physical day that you're going to do because you, you, you were in full pads and everything. Most teams, the way it's set up now in the NFL is Wednesday you go full pads, Thursday you go shells. Unless you come from an old school mentality, then I think Wednesday you go full pads along with Thursday you go full pads till about the middle of the season and then you kind of taper off from there. But uh, I think the fact that they've had a lot of time to prepare for Kansas City now, um, I think with technology these days, like even, even when I played, you could kind of run, run like a meeting off your little iPad that they gave you. I imagine now it's even more intricate where you could literally just set up a team meeting watch film the coaches can talk to you you know what to watch everything like that so from that standpoint um i'm not too worried about them missing the mental aspects of it more than the, the physical aspects obviously now back in the day when i played the ipads I know. might not have worked like well, they used yeah, to well, work you have but... to remember i mean my, my first year <laughs> 2010 with uh with coach del rio we still had like the, the old playbook like the, the, yeah. it was an actual notebook and it was like a King James edition, like <laughs> super thick. You know what I'm saying? And if you lost that thing, it was like $20,000. But now, you know, they have the iPads and everything. Uh, there's an app you just download everything from. So, yeah, super convenient now. It is amazing. I'm telling you, you talk about the technology. Yeah. And uh, we might hear from Coach Marone on the technology part of this, what they can do. Sure. I brought it up a little bit yesterday. We're talking a little bit now. But what I'm amazed at is the technology on the high school football level. I mean, you go now, and they've got the ability. Now, there's this huddle program that, that most high schools use. That's, what, uh, that's right? what the NFL uses, too, and actually. The NFL uses. Yeah. So it's a great program. Mm -hmm. But what now they can do in some of the setups, not everybody, but a lot of people do, from Union County to Trinity Christian to Bowles to wherever, is, uh, I mean, they've set up the TV, the big screen TV, on the sideline, and they have a tent, and yeah. they will huddle like the NFL guys look at the pictures. They will huddle around and look at that video. Now it's not kind of like individual based pictures. Yeah. Like like they do in the NFL. But I mean they are right there. They have the play fifteen seconds later that they want to look at. I mean it's it's amazing the technology, even on the high school level, that's really inexpensive. I asked somebody the other day, the program they were using, I think this one was uh what was it? Oh, it was Colquitt County when they had come. Now Colquitt County, they spare no expense when it comes to football. Yeah. They're up in Georgia. But the program that they were using at the time, I think he said, oh, this is only like $500,000 to whatever, do this. And there was another program that you get to like three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. So it's a bit of an investment. But if you think about it, if it lasts a while and the usage of it, both like from a team that night, a team during the week, and from a recruiting standpoint, what it does for these kids – Oof. I mean, it's amazing. The technology is unreal. So some of my fondest memories took place during a game on the sidelines because, you know, if you play defensive line or even on the defense, what they used to do back in the day is they used to have, like, a photographer just take pictures. And then they print yeah. the pictures. And you can kind of see, like, you know, what happened on the play, what you need to work on, things like that. Well, I think 2011 they implemented – I think Microsoft was the company that ended up sponsoring the NFL. So they had like these little tablets and everything. So instead of getting like the pictures printed up, now you have, you're like a tablet. And for whatever reason, you know, like Joe Collins, an old school kind of guy, I'm a defense, former defensive line coach, Joe Collins, old school kind of guy. When I went to Kansas City, 
I think Coach Brashear, he was like mid-60s at the time, maybe even 70 years old. And then in Chicago, I had a defensive line coach who's in his like late 60s as well. So these three guys, man, some of the fondest memories is like when they try to work this tablet, because, you know, it's it's newer technology, right? And nothing <laughs> n- nothing like clashes more than newer technology. The tablet? Hey, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I've probably seen a Microsoft tablet spiked. If the, if the over-under is at 10, it's definitely over. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've seen it spike so many times, and then, you know, the, the poor, like, guys that are signed to help out coach, like, you know, they're trying to help him out, yeah, and, yeah. and he's cussing at them, and, like, every single team I was on, because a bunch of old-school coaches on the defensive line, could not work the tablet, man. That is, Insane. that's really a great example of how those, those coaches had to learn, right? You have to adapt. You From, do. Uh, you know, that old-school mentality to the new wave, and, yeah. so, you know, some things you don't have to do if you don't want to do it yeah. normal, everyday life. Like, mm-hmm. My father-in-law doesn't have a cell phone. I mean, he's sure. 85, but he doesn't have a cell phone. He don't want one. Yeah. Uh, you know, it took my mom a long time to get a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she still spend, sends mail. Uh, so, I mean, that's fine. You yeah. know, postcards and stuff like that. Yeah. So you don't have to. But in that world, to be efficient and swift and keep up with everybody else, you better adjust to the technical advances, sure. uh, technological advances, because it will really aid you. And it's just so much quicker. Everything's so much quicker for you. And you can get more done in a short amount of time. But it's funny as a player because some things just stick with you. You know, like when I was first coming up in the league, you have to take notes. And regardless, you have to take notes. On yeah, NFL. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's preached upon. And, you know, usually we had like a notebook that they, they gave us to take notes on. Well, eventually it got to the point where you had your, you know, your app and everything. You had your little tablet and you could take notes right on the tablet. I hated to do that for Did whatever it? reason because I felt like I retained more information if I write down in my little notebook. Hence why if you see me at Jags practice or during training camp, I had a notebook uh, where I'd write down. Now, or he writes on his hand. Well, also right on my hand. Because and that's old school. To be fair, it got a little warm and everything, and the sun kind of made it hard to see like the t- like my my notebook. <laughs> so I would kind of take a note on my cell phone, and then go home and write down my notebook. So yeah. I just have a notebook full. But uh, fascinating. That's kind of the old school person the, in me. I guess. Long story short, is the Jags can get stuff done, and they're getting stuff done even though they're not out on a football field uh, today. Hey, okay, big story around the NFL. While you were sleeping, right? Zeke Elliott, they yeah. get it done. Uh, you know, Talking up for the NFL players, Brent. Uh, the NFL player wins big here. The agent wins big here. Running backs across the league might win big here because mm-hmm. he reset it again. Yeah. You know, uh, and here's the deal: the numbers don't lie on Zeke Elliott. You can, I mean, this guy's been really good. He makes that engine go on offense. You're not going to put any everything on Dak Prescott. Absolutely not. But what I thought was interesting is. We can all debate, and we will debate. We'll have a little conversation about just how valuable is it to have a running back and how much should you invest, especially in a second contract on a running back. This is a six-year – it turns into an eight-year deal, really, for Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy how long it is. Now, nobody ever sees the end of contract, so that part doesn't matter. But it's a rich deal, and the comparison was to Todd Gurley. Yeah. Well, Todd Gurley's been fantastic. But isn't Todd Gurley like a major red flag in this conversation, too? They're talking about a, an arthritic knee now and, and a guy that couldn't really be a healthy last year. and Nobody really knew why at the end mm-hmm. when they needed him most. So isn't that a little bit of buyer beware on the on the running back side of things? Well, Dallas said, hey, we don't care about that. Zeke who? who? Yeah. That doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Zeke everything. And um uh, they make the big-time investment worth almost $100 million bucks. So the highest-paid running back in the NFL. And if you were to go around the league right now and discuss who are the, some of the most stubborn NFL owners, I think Jerry Jones would be up there as one of the most stubborn. 
you know, and you kind of heard, heard the narrative throughout this whole holdout, the fact that Jerry Jones is saying, Ziku, you know, like we're not worried about him. We expect him to miss games. Almost like Jerry Jones is kind of showing his cards a little bit and saying, listen, we're going to win without you. So either you're going to be here for your, you know, your first deal or you're just going to sit out and we'll, we'll win games without you. And that's what I thought it was going to be. I did not see this deal coming because I felt like if Zeke was to win this deal, which he did, almost $100 million, highest-paid running back, I felt like if Zeke won this deal, well, yeah, once again, you put it on the board for the NFL players, but it's almost like Jerry – I don't want to say Jerry Jones got bossed around or anything because, I mean, they're on the same team, right? Like the whole goal is to put a roster together to win football games. But at the same time, I mean, to be the highest-paid – you know, Dallas or to be the highest paid running back right now in the league when he didn't have to be, you know, that's another example of players believing in themselves. Yeah, Brent. but one thing that is about Jerry Jones is he's not he's not cheap. Yeah. You know, he's not cheap. And mm-hmm. I think he wants to take care of players. Their situation was interesting because they had so many guys to take care of. And now if you look at what they've done, look at GM Jerry, forget yeah. about owner and rich guy Jerry. Look at GM Jerry. They've taken care of that offensive line. They're well-invested up front, an offensive line that's been to over uh, double-digit Pro Bowls if you add them all up. They took care of Dak Prescott in a way that said, hey, I'm going to take care of your offensive line. I'm going to keep your running back. Now we'll see what else happens. Sure. Well, now there's Cooper and Dak Prescott to take care of, but they are keeping that together uh, and keeping their offensive side of the football together for now, and Jerry Jones is smart enough to do that. Where does it land him? Is this a bad deal down the road? Probably. It probably is. I mean – there's no way they're going to get six great years, eight great years out of Ezekiel Elliott. I'll take the under on that right now. Yeah. They just won't. Uh, but for the immediate, for the next couple of years, for the next three years, now they have to win. And this is a franchise now that has been as relevant as they come because they're the Dallas Cowboys. But the Jaguars have won more postseason games in the last 20 years than the Dallas Cowboys have. Mm-hmm. Don't lose sight of that. They've done nothing. Since winning those Super Bowls with Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, they've done absolutely nothing despite having some talent, having Tony Romo and now this group of players. They've got to be on the move. And I think Jerry Jones realized that a little bit, too, is say, hey, we can't afford to go 0-2 just what if. We got to get this thing done. We got to get him in here. And, uh, well, hey, Coos, chalk it up for another one I was right, by the way. Said Ezekiel Elliott will be here and play on the first week of the year. You were right on that one. You want to hear something interesting, Brent? Texans didn't go to the, the playoffs last year, correct? They, they did not. No, they, well, uh, it, Texans did. Oh, did they go to the – No, I'm sorry. Was, yeah, uh, no, because the Colts. I mean, sorry, Texans and oh, – did the Titans and Colts go? I thought two from the AFC South went. Okay, regardless. What year am I talking about? I have the, what, am I, what year am I living in? We'll look it up. But I have, I have the 10 highest paid running backs right now, and, and you tell me how they worked out for their team so far. Okay, do I have to tell you the 10 no, no, highest I'm, paid? No, I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Todd Gurley, of course. Todd Gurley they went, went to the Super Bowl. Elliott. Yeah, went to the Super Bowl. Ezekiel, they went to the playoffs, Dallas did, right? Le'Veon Bell. Ah, uh, correct. Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell sat Bell. out last year. Yep. Uh, David Johnson. Gets hurt all the time. Devontae Freeman for the Falcons. Yeah. No. Saquon Barkley. I mean, he's, he's on his rookie deal. He looks like he's going to be the part. Jarek McKinnon. Saquon Barkley, by the way, is one of the highest paid running backs because uh, of that rookie deal alone. He's, he's got a total value of $31 million. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, didn't. Uh, what's the deal with him right now? Did he just get. Did I, I saw him coming, in the news the other day recently. Was he hurt? He's coming off of an injury. He should be ready to go for the regular season. Because I think it's between him and Tavon Coleman, too, if I'm not mistaken, is in San Fran as well. Okay. So, 
This is surprising. The next guy. I better learn this stuff for our fantasy Leonard football Fournette. draft tomorrow. Leonard Fournette's next. Well, because Saquon Barkley's deal, he's a rookie, yeah. too. Well, yeah. Fournette's was picked top five, so yep. he was going to have that similar deal. Again, now, listen, I will tell you, on the Fournette thing, it was a disaster last year. But you're not convincing this guy that Fournette didn't help you get to an AFC championship game. Yep. So there's been some value there. L- Lamar Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Really? He's top 10? Top 10? Nah, that's overpaid. Duke. I mean, he's a nice yeah. player when healthy, Yeah, but he's not. And then right below him, Duke Johnson. Really? Yep. Well, yeah. see, they're resetting the market now. Those 10. are some newer deals. Well, and here's 10. Giovanni Bernard. Well, and he just go. got paid. He's got paid. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, listen. I mean, they, it's my point is like, you know. <laughs> well, and that's how people feel about the running back position. Was this yeah. the right move? For the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, it's a great move for running backs because, like you said, Zeke and Gurley and uh, Bernard and guys like Bernard are now already they're reaping the benefits of deals from Gurley Correct. and Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, you know, yep. and so that will happen, and that's good for the player. Mm-hmm. I'm not against the player in that. I think it's more about the value of position. And and but there's the other part of it. I have no problem with teams spending money. None. It's not my money. I don't care. <laughs> as long as it doesn't hamper you. Yeah. And the Jags are in an interesting situation right now. Are some of their dollars hampering them? A lot of people would say Blake Bortles. There's always ways to move around the dollars. Like, again, they could sign Yannick Ngakwe if they wanted to tomorrow. I got a question for you after this next segment here. If you're a GM and you're to spend your, your top money on three positions, what would they be? All right, let's get to it next on ESPN 690. A little more on the Zeke deal. What did you think? Join the conversation. Come on, you got nothing else to do. Join us at Star Star 690. I mean, he's a, he's a good football player. He's a great person, good, a great player, and, and uh, it was good to see what he did there in, in Philadelphia and uh, the success he had there. I, I think you not only get a good football player there, but you, you get a, a good guy in the locker room and a, le- a good leader. I mean, I've, I have a ton of good things to say about him. We probably don't have enough time, but it's uh, he's, a, he's a heck of a person. Well, that's Andy Reid this afternoon on a conference call leading up to the game. Jags and Chiefs, of course, business as usual for Kansas City, a little different for the Jaguars. Uh, we do get an injury report today, too, from the Jags, which is basically more of a practice injury report. But they have to put one out. Mm-hmm. And um, word is uh, Nick Foles will actually be on the injury report with a sore abdomen of something like that. But that that was like a last week thing. Yeah. But he's going to play. So, I mean, mm-hmm. nothing... Nothing major, but you might see his name on that. That's no different. I mean, shoot, Tom Brady for like eight years has been on the injury report yeah. in New England. <laughs> Not a big deal. I remember Blake Bortles was on the injury report for yeah. the most most of the time he spent in Jacksonville with a with a wrist yep. and uh, just played through it. So, well, And also a little note, too. So Drake McKinnon is out for the season. Yeah, I, I really didn't want to tell you that because backs. I wanted you to pick him tomorrow in our draft. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. I was, I was trying to hide this. some information here. Yeah. So it's Tevin Coleman is expected, I think, to be the backup now of with Matt Breida. Atlanta Falcons yeah. running back. That sucks about Jerick McKinnon, though, man. Yeah, especially since he's one of the higher-paid guys in the league. Of I course. didn't realize he was top-10 paid yeah. in the league. Well, this is a guy that, and maybe I'm, I'm talking on my butt again here, but I'm pretty sure uh, when Cook went down, Latavius Murray and him kind of took over, and he was kind of the outside looking in, and then all of a sudden he comes in for for the Vikings and kind of tears it apart, mm-hmm. and that's why he got his big contract and everything, and unfortunately – has been able to you know play up to it. Uh, well, you got to stay healthy. I was, obviously Leonard Fournette uh, knows that yeah. uh, all too well. The Jaguars know that, and and it is interesting. Much like we talk about offenses flying over, I brought this up yesterday, right? There's defenses around the NFL that are highly invested and very good, and mm. you would say are the strength of the team. So don't just 
automatically blanket the NFL and say, okay, it's all about offense, passing league. We just saw a 13-3 to Super Bowl. So True. there is that. But I also say the same about the running back position. I'm not a running back guy. I'm not a pick-em-in-the-top-five guy. Now, the last few that have been going pretty high have, have benefited the football team. Again, you're going to bring up Fournette. He benefited the football team his rookie season in a big-time way. And Saquon Barkley looks like he will do that, although <laughs> yeah. he had a great year and didn't do much. didn't matter in the wins-loss column. Yeah. And Giants, they became a mess. Mm-hmm. And now Zeke has been really, really good, and I think a big part of their success. But can he get him to the promised land? Gurley has been a big part of the success of the Rams. So there's still another element to it. My point in that is while we say the running back position, you can go get anybody in the fourth round, the third round, you can get someone off the street for some of these teams – uh, there's an overvalue on the running back spot because of the length of the career. And I believe some of that. I, I think the I think the trend has been right. I think the numbers dictate that. I think some of the teams that have won dictate that. But at the same time, you still better be able to run that football and rely on those horses. Mm-hmm. And so that's the juxtaposition. Where you, like, how much even the Rams need a running game. The Patriots proved even with Tom Brady, that power running game was effective in the postseason last year. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're not going to be able to throw it every down. They are going to have to be able to run the football. So it's a fascinating piece, much like, yes, blanket statement, the offenses in the NFL are king right now. That's the way the game has gone. But defenses still matter. That's what Kansas City tried all offseason to do. They said, hey, we got to get our defense up to par. They can't be the 31st ranked defense in the league. Well, just like you may overvalue and teams overvalue running backs, and I don't know if I'd spend $90 million on a running back, most teams that do well still have a running game and sometimes mm-hmm. have a feature running back. So it's it's a fascinating dynamic in the NFL right now. And it's kind of been the storyline for the Kansas City Chiefs where it doesn't really matter who you put out running back, they're going to have, you know, they're going to they're going to do pretty good. Yeah, Andy uh, Reid knows how to coach. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if Andy Reid was in Philly or if he's in Kansas City now. It seems like who, who's ever back their toe in the rock is going to have at least some kind of, you know, Pretty good stats. It was like that in Denver for a long time, right? And and by the way, Gurley went out last year. C.J. Anderson came in and did a pretty nice job for the Rams. It goes to show you, like, yeah, I mean, I think the pieces of, you know, that that bona fide bell cow are important. But if you have the right right offensive scheme to run behind, um, it doesn't really matter who you throw back there. That's true. Kuz, uh, help me out a little bit because I can't see on this computer and uh, pick up uh, the phone. Uh, Saqib is on the line. So uh, let's get to the phone calls now. And you're more than welcome to join the show, Star Star 690. What do you think, man, about this uh, Jags game coming up? We almost have a football game for real in Jacksonville. I know, man. First of all, I apologize for telling you that the kid was hurt, McCannon. Uh, that was me that, that, that mentioned that. No, no, you know, no, you could have right. messed that up. I was up, kidding you know, about the tomorrow. fantasy football stuff. I was really <laughs> Yeah. But l- let, me, let me ask you guys a couple questions. This is kind of really fascinating to me. So the, the whole Dallas Cowboys, they, could, they are signing all these guys. How in the world do they have all this much money? And how is this going to impact the Jaguars? Meaning, like, we haven't signed that many guys. That, you know, well, we signed a couple of guys. Can we have enough money to sign our guys? Because it seems like they're just every every day they're signing a new guy to an extension. Dallas Cowboys is how do they have this much money? And is the Jaguars will we have enough money to sign our boys back in? Because I'm kind of worried about the whole Ramsey situation and unique. Because I want both of those guys to come back. Because you know they, they are they are very very great players and. We need him back, and I just wanted to see. And, and also, one more thing is: will this uh, not them not practicing today 
because of the weather and stuff, would this impact this week's game, meaning like, you know, they're not getting enough practice and all that stuff? Uh, I'll see if you can tell me that. Thanks, Aki. Right. Appreciate it. Then uh, look forward to the game on Sunday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the practice stuff. We don't really think so. Now, it throws off your routine. It throws a little bit of what you want to do. Uh, I should say I shouldn't say we. I don't really think so. I think the Jags will be fine with that. I don't think you're going to look up at the game on Sunday and look up at that scoreboard and say, man, if they had had that practice Wednesday, this would be different. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Now, I mean, it sounds kind of goofy, and I'm not trying to make light of it. I, I, I just don't think so. Now, if you ask a football coach and you say, hey, you took away a practice from me, it's like oh, taking away. Oh, driving crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's like taking away a toy from a kid, man. Sure. I mean, you don't want to do that. So – I think it's a little bit of adversity. It's a little bit of different. It's a little bit of juggling things. But at the same time, it could actually, I don't want to say galvanize, but I think create a higher point of focus. And what you're going to say is, they can't be focused. It's game one. Well, yeah, it can. But they have to do it in a different way now. So they really better be on point with all their stuff. And really what happens on Thursday and Friday will be critical for this football team. So, again, I don't think it makes much of a difference. I just think they have to go about things a little different way. Yeah, I think Thursday will probably be the, the exact same practice that they had, they had in mind. And then perhaps on Friday, uh, traditionally, you know, if you're in the NFL, you call it a fast Friday. Usually the, a Friday practice, regardless of where it is in the season, probably lasts only maybe an hour at, at the very maximum. Well, now you might have like maybe a two-hour practice on Friday just to get guys ready. Uh, the, the fact that this is week one, um, it, it's also kind of like a silver lining, I guess, because I would be more bothered, Brent, if this – took place during like the middle of the season right when, mm-hmm. when when guys are conditioned when when guys expect things done a certain way because we're all creatures of habit but since this is week one of the regular season guys don't really know you know how the season's going to play out as far as the schedule is concerned so my point is if you're going to have a day like with the hurricane coming in we have to call off practice um wednesday's probably the most ideal day of week one of a nfl regular season all right so i keep asking the question about the pay and how can the Cowboys do all this? And because I think the salary cap doesn't exist. I've, I've said it all the time. Well, it really doesn't for the most part because <laughs> you can move money around. Yeah. And I mean, even the Jaguars, I think, and I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but Miles Jack's deal for this season is not much off their cap. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more backloaded as you go. Well, as you go along, Jags can free up money, free up money with depending on A.J. Boye or Calais Campbell or a Marcel Darius. There's a lot of dead cap space here. There's always way to go. Now, what does that mean? You have to lose players sometimes. Tayshawn Gibson is not with the Jacksonville Jaguars because they had to make a financial decision. They didn't want to afford the $9 million. That wasn't going to move. They had to move on. Malik Jackson, from a production to what you were paying him, wasn't going hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So they obviously were moving on from him, and they planned accordingly. Now, who knows if it will really work? I mean, they, they picked up Taven Bryan in the draft last year because I think they saw that coming. Uh, same reason they picked up a Ronnie Harrison. They saw the Bar- Barry Church, even if he had played well last year, probably wouldn't be with the team this year. They were moving on. So you plan accordingly. What's interesting is the, ja- the, the Cowboys have a lot of money tied up in that offensive line, a decent amount of money. And they have now Zeke. Now, they haven't paid Dak Prescott. See, the Dak Prescott salary for this year allows them to do be flexible mm-hmm. with because they're not paying him $30 million right now. Once they start paying them $30 million, they'll have to make some other decisions. But they also don't have a ton of money tied up in their defense. Their defense, they have Demarcus Lawrence. He's their highest paid guy on the team. Obviously, five-year, $100 million deal and 65 but guaranteed according to Spotrack. Uh, and then if you look at some of their defensive players, Jalen Smith just got the deal. So there's two guys. 
And if you go now, you got to go down a little further. Tyrone Crawford, five years, forty-five million. Uh, Van Der Esch is on a four-year, eleven million dollar deal. Yeah. I mean, so now all your deals start going way down. So I mentioned two, maybe a third defensive player that they've got a lot of money tied in. Totally different than this football team, right? Yeah. They've got Calais Campbell. They now have Miles Jack. They have A.J. Boye. They actually have Marcel Darius. Not really the actual dollar figure, but the dead cap money that can come into play next year. And they had to rearrange his deal already this season. Uh, now, we thought they might have Yannick Ngakwe, and they eventually will have Jalen Ramsey. But when they have Jalen Ramsey and Yannick Ngakwe, they could potentially lose A.J. Boyes and Calais Campbells. So, you know, you just can't have eight guys making that kind of money on one side of the ball. So the Cowboys can figure this thing out. You're going to lose a little bit of something on one side of the ball or another. And a guy that's probably going to, you know, not reap the benefits of this is... Byron Jones, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago out of Connecticut, guy broad jumped, I think twelve something, something ridiculous. I mean, you know, can he he's broad a, jump you? Can he help broad jump you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm gonna give it to him right now because he set the record. I didn't. <laughs> props to him. But this is a guy that you know that the Cowboys really like and everything. He's coming up an injury. I believe he'll be ready for Week One. We'll have to check that out. But they probably can't afford to keep him. You know, I mean, eventually something's got to give. Well, and, and on top of that, it's the quarterback that really can be the trickle down. Because if they pay $33 million for Dak Prescott, just like the Rams just did. The Rams are an interesting study because they just paid for golf. And we'll get into yeah. that in a bit. But what will that now do for the rest of their roster? They're going to have to make some tough decisions over the next 12 months, most likely. Hey, when we come back, how about a little hurricane coverage? You know where Stuart Weber is? Where's he at? It's out at the beach. He's on hurricane duty. (laughs) And we'll also give away our Baker Sports Coach of the Week from week two of the high school football season coming up next on ESPN 690. Ah, Welcome back here to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos in here. We're going to name our Baker Sports Coach of the Week for week number two. Our game of the week last week was Yuli. At Fernandina Beach, uh, Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber called that game along with Kevin Sullivan, did a nice job. And this week's game, very much in limbo. I would say at this point what we know is we're not doing a game Friday night. Mm-hmm. And we're actually making some decisions uh, even on the TV side. Are we going to do the Friday night blitz? And I think we're leaning against it at this point uh, in full disclosure and transparency. What I'm wondering is where are they going to move this game to potentially for Creekside Bartram Trail? That's supposed to be our game of the week. And uh, they might move it to Saturday. They might move it to Monday. They might not even play is kind of the latest. So we are waiting to see if we could potentially still do the game here on ESPN 690 and feature it as our game of the week. So I'll keep you posted on that front. Uh, there are some teams playing. Trinity Christian's going to play. Bowles is going to play. I actually think Yuli and West Nassau are still scheduled to play. I think there's a Pontevedra game that might still be scheduled to play, too. But I can't imagine that one will go off on Friday night. Let's bring in Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber. More on the football stuff, the high school scene. We'll name our coach of the week. But more importantly right now... He's on storm coverage, Hurricane Dorian coverage. Did you make it into the 16 box yet? No, I'm uh, I'm not going on camera today. I'm I'm hiding. Uh, you're I'm, hiding uh, out. You're so you're I'm hiding out. Where are you? So, uh, if anyone's been to Jack's Beach, you know the pier. You know there's a parking garage right near the pier. I am in the parking garage, dry as a bone, setting up a shot that is showing the pier. Essentially, I'm uh, making sure this camera doesn't get blown over by the wind. And myself with it. Is the pier still there? Yes. Uh, no changes. Uh, still the same length it was before. Uh, it's taken a pounding now. Uh, the waves have certainly uh, 
been going after it quite a bit, but, I mean, that's what they're built for. Yeah, that's kind of the idea of the piers. Angry Atlantic Ocean right now, and this is kind of high time, right? Is, is that how I understand it right now, high time for Hurricane Dorian right off our coast? Yes. Let's, let's go with that, yes. Come on, I, man. You're I, supposed I'm not, to know this stuff. I, I'm, well, I'm not 100% sure. I can't listen to the broadcast because I'm listening to the, the photographer's line to find out if they need me to do anything or uh, any of that kind of stuff. So I can't really hear the latest on the broadcast. Okay. Well, hopefully they give you a heads up if, if you need to move locations. No, it's, I'm staying here. I'm, I'm, I, am, I am locked in. I am rocking and rolling. And uh, it's, it's been, the shot's been on Facebook for like two straight hours. People comment on it. People who are uh, actually interested in the storm. People who are just idiots. You know, just a bit, the normal <laughs> Facebook mix. Nice combination. Uh, you know, the normal Facebook mix get on there. And so I was trying to be helpful, answer some questions for some people. And then other people come in and they're just silly. But, you know, it's... Uh, Anything I can do to help. I know our, our Skycam that normally has a stationary shot of the uh, of the pier was not working properly. Okay. Uh, so that's me. I am I am a stationary Skycam Sky steward. I like it. Skycam steward. Very nice. Like that's, that. that's 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 me for the day. But to answer one of your questions about earlier, Pontevedra's game uh, was canceled it as was. far as uh, some of the ones that we were looking at. And uh, the cool thing is is that a couple of the teams, including Trinity, who you mentioned in bowls. Both kind of, I wouldn't say scrambled, but scrambled to get new opponents after they had to change things up. Uh, Bowles, of course, was supposed to be off this week. Uh, they had their game last Friday canceled with Miami Lakes because that school down in Hialeah was, uh, you know, trying to figure out if that storm was going to come right for South Florida last week around that time. So they, they canceled that game last Friday, and both of them didn't have a game this Friday. So they're like, hey, let's do it this week. And so that's why that game's happening at Bowles. Kind of the same idea with Trinity Christian, who – uh, somehow, some way, makes their schedule even harder. Yeah. As, as we have, we talked about it quite a bit. Them having the hardest high school schedule we have ever seen, and this is zero disrespect to Revolt, but Revolt was the easiest game on their schedule as far as record-wise and past accomplishment-wise go. So they swap out what would have been the easiest game from a number standpoint on their schedule for a team in Venice who's made it to the state semifinals three straight years, won a state title in 2017. 12-2 and two a year ago, and let's just add them to the schedule, Verlin. Why not? Crazy, crazy. And by the way, Trinity took a big hit this week in that game last week. They got a good win over Godby, 45-42. to 42. I think I think it might have been a game-winning field goal. I was out of town, but I think it was a game-winning field goal. It was goal. an overtime, yeah. Uh, and But they, they suffered a big blow. The Killian kid uh, hurt. I, there was one with an ACL. Was he the one with the ACL? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I know they lost two running backs, and by the end of the game, uh, Fred Davis, I believe it was, or Miles Brooks, one of those two big defensive backs, had to go in there and play some running back. Yeah, it was uh, Killian's possible AC. I don't know what the latest was. And I think Webb, the young running back, talented kid uh, who played as a varsity, uh, played varsity as an eighth grader, I think he might have even had a broken arm, uh, was the word we had gotten over the weekend. So we'll see what they are health wise. They've got this crazy schedule. The one thing about it, Stuart, from a Trinity Christian standpoint, is they better be able. They've got to stay somewhat healthy. You know, they don't have enormous numbers at Trinity Christian, especially in the trenches. So with this schedule, there is concern that you don't make it through the year. Once they get to the postseason, you really like their chances in 3A, but they got to get sure. to the postseason somewhat healthy. Yeah, and being 3A, it kind of tells you how many kids they have at that school and the numbers they have. So uh, certainly, yeah, they, they need to make it through the schedule first before they can get to that postseason. And uh, the way this formula works, they are going to be in really good shape based on opponent strength of schedule and opponent's opponent strength of schedule because yeah. all that goes into the math. So uh, if they can get through that, 
then yes, they are uh, looking pretty good here for the postseason in 3A. But Venice this week uh, on Friday night at 7.30 over at Trinity Christian, which, by the way, is the same time around that time, by the way. We'll be showing our NFL preview special, including a great story with Fred Davis and Miles Brooks getting to chop it up with A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey. A really cool piece I got to put together yesterday. So looking forward to everybody seeing that. Hey, if you're listening to the show and you like Jalen Ramsey, and who doesn't like seeing what Jalen Ramsey has to say, and I think if you like A.J. Boye, this is a, a story that we had asked the, them to do, Jalen and A.J. Boye. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I was like, probably won't happen, but let's ask. And, well, they were cool about it. And we did the story yesterday. We put it together in the last couple of days, and, and Stuart did most of it. But it's really cool. It's one of those deals where you really didn't know how it was going to come out, but it's really cool to watch the interaction between a five-star kid and a four-star kid from Trinity and the best tandem in the NFL at their positions, and especially a guy like Ramsey, and and everybody knows his game and the trash talking and everything else. Really fascinating to watch the interaction between these. They were great with these guys, and it's going to be fun to follow Fred Davis and uh, Miles Brooks just to see where they go and maybe even if they take something with uh, from this experience with them to Georgia Tech and Clemson and, and hopefully even beyond, maybe they make the NFL someday. But we moved that show off tonight. It was supposed to be tonight. The show is going to be Friday at 8 o'clock on CBS 47. So just a reminder, put the DVR on, do whatever you got to do. But uh, we have a sit-down with Leonard Fournette. Uh, we have this story with AJ and Jalen. We've got a lot more in the show. But hope you can check it out because it was kind of a unique piece. It was different. And uh, that's uh, that made a lot of fun. We appreciate those guys uh, doing that. Yeah, and and that's the thing about uh, you know a little behind the scenes in the business uh, for a story like that. Our job on that kind of story is to stay out of the way. Uh, you know, we we want these guys, uh, those you know four football players, to have this interaction and to you know to have these genuine responses and questions of each other and be able to have this conversation. At the same time as us staying out of the way, we also have to capture it so that everybody at home can kind of see see the great, you know, interactions between these people. So uh, it's kind of a, a fun little dichotomy there where we have to both stay out of the way but also uh, facilitate and let this happen and make this work to where we can present it for everybody at home. Yeah, I think you'll really like it, really will, and I, I think it's cool. It's a, it's, a, it's a neat look at A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey, too, uh, in my opinion, uh, that you probably haven't seen before. So check it out, 8 o'clock, CBS 47, on uh, Friday night. Let's make a, an executive decision here. Uh, I'll go sure. tell the bosses, you tell me, you make the call, uh, you're out in the hurricane coverage, so you get a chance to make the call. Do we have a Friday night blitz Friday, or do we move it to a, a third week into the postseason, which we normally don't do? Make the call, Weber. It's all on you right now. Oh, you're just going to throw it out there like that. I think with the, the lack of games and with, of course, our, our NFL preview show that will be at 8 o'clock live on Friday night. I just said live, so we're doing it. Um, yeah, let's, let's postpone the Friday night blitz that night. And, of course, we can add that extra week in the playoffs because, you know what, we're going to put it on our local teams and say, hey, you guys need to get to the third round of the playoffs so we have enough content for a full half-hour show and for an extra week of the ESPN 690 game of the week as well. So uh, we're making the call. Uh, the the half-hour Friday night blitz at 1030 it will take a different form, whether that be more news coverage or, heck, maybe we're able to, you know, portray more of that NFL preview show for you guys at home in that show that evening. We will make that determination here down the road. But uh, all that said, we will plan to have a camera at that Trinity Christian game against Venice. So 
Uh, we will try and still hit a couple of the games that are going on that evening, uh, whatever we're able to do with time and resources-wise. But uh, the full 30-minute show just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when there's like five or six games going on in the entire area. Yeah, maybe not even that many. So, okay, you made the call. Yeah. I'll email the bosses, and um, if they say otherwise, then I'll tell you otherwise. Maybe they'll tell me what to do instead. I don't know. But uh, I think we'll have a little bit of say in this one. I think it's right. We might only have about three games, but we'll do extended highlights of whatever games we can get to on uh, Friday night anyway at 1030 and 11 o'clock. All right, one last thing. Uh, Baker Sports Coach of the Week. Let's hand it out, Weber. We've got a lot to pick from in these first couple of weeks. A lot of 2-0 and teams, a lot of fantastic games. Uh, Wolfson's head coach was, the, was week number one. What do we have in week number two? Yeah, we wanted Dennis Bettinger in that first week. Of course, Wolfson getting that opening week win and a lot of uh, positive momentum for that program. Speaking of positive momentum for a program, how about the Creekside Knights? They were down early in their inter-county matchup against the Nice Panthers, and Creekside able to rally multiple times throughout the course of the game and win a barn burner 58-51 to improve to 2-0. So we're going to give it to head coach Sean McIntyre and the Creekside Knights. Getting that job done, 2-0. and Would have been a fantastic matchup between them being 2-0, and Barcher Trail being 2-0, and St. John's County, Towers collide, uh, but that's not going to happen because of the rain. So uh, instead, well, rain today. So instead, uh, we will definitely honor Coach McIntyre and the Creekside Knights with our Coach of the Week. All right, and just to let you know, there's a meeting taking place in about 10 minutes about uh, in St. John's County about high school football this week. And uh, that that's when we'll know a little bit more, probably in an hour or so, a little bit more when these games could be played. I still think Creekside Bartram might be played on Saturday. Could be a Monday game, but I think they're going to try to get it in. It will just depend on what they decide at this meeting, I believe, and what they're allowed to do. And if it fits, we may still carry that game on ESPN 690 on Saturday. We're working on that, so uh, we'll keep everybody updated. But Sean McIntyre, what a great game that was, 58-51. to 51. Creekside got it done last week in a rivalry game over Nice. Unbelievable. A little reminder from a high-scoring affair of either a Big 12 game or that Clay Bishop-Kenny game uh, back years ago that you were at, Stuart. Uh, all right, man, stay dry, stay safe, and keep up the good work. Uh, your camera is on live television most of the rest of the afternoon. It is. It's in the little four box showing off the pier. And don't worry, I've got a, a large supply of uh, Swedish fish, and I stole oh. a can of Pringles out of your desk. So I'm Whoa. good to go. Hey, this just in. You took the Pringles out of my desk? Hey, you know, I didn't know I was going to get food at the time, and so I just snagged those things and got rock and rolling. It's unbelievable. <laughs> That'll be a $5 fine. Have a good one, Weber. All right, I will. See ya. Uh, by the way, watch CBS 47, Fox 30, and when you see the uh, the, the video of the pier, please uh, text in or, I mean, uh, tweet in or call in, star star 690, and grade whatever uh, Weber's camera shot looks like. Especially now that he took my Pringles. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you have some, you know, some not flattering comments, feel free to post them on there, too. <laughs> well, I'm not, if you saw your Pringles, I'm not sure how much you care about Pringles. Well, I care a lot. Okay, well, there you go, then. So post some unflattering things. I was things watching the comments he was dealing with oh, on the man. drive back. I'll tell you what. Well, let's be honest. Facebook comments, <laughs> Facebook comments can get a little sketchy now. Well, they were confused. As... Twitter's its own little beast. Yeah. Facebook's a different yeah. beast. Well, because he went live with the camera, but it was just like the camera shot. So everyone's like, where's the audio? There's they no audio. They wanted him to talk? Yeah, they uh... wanted audio. And he's like, well, then watch the TV stand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got an injury report for you, okay? Jags had to put out an injury report, uh, even though they did not practice. And so here's what it reads. Nick Foles, uh, oblique, 
uh, practicing full on Wednesday, even though they really didn't practice. Uh, Marquise Lee, knee, full practice. Quincy Williams, knee, full practice. Cam Robinson, knee, full. Uh, Lorente McRae, ankle, limited. DJ Alexander, hamstring, limited. Marcel Darius, elbow, limited. You know, that's an interesting one. Abwehi and Josh Oliver not practicing, which means it looks like Oliver won't be back, right? Yeah. Uh, well, and Abwehi got hurt in that last preseason game. The interesting guy to me here is Darius. Darius didn't practice a lot the last week and a half, and, yeah. and it was an elbow thing. Really don't know the severity of that and if he's going to be able to go. But it'll be one to watch because he makes up a formidable part of that defensive front. So I think he's going to go because it wouldn't make sense to play Taven Bryant as much as they did if they thought Darius is going to be out for an extended period yeah. of time because Taven Bryant's his backup. My question is with Marquise Lee, I mean, are you going to see him week one? I don't know. He wants to be there. That's a good call. That's a really yeah. good call. And I want to talk more about Quincy Williams. Let's talk more about it because mm-hmm. I want to know well, Quincy Williams is full go. He's ready. Yeah. Does he play and what kind of impact can he make against this Kansas City Chiefs team? Let's get, get into it next. Full. On ESPN 690. Brett Martin of Austin Lane, Coos. Jump on in the conversation. Star Star 690. What do you expect to see on Sunday? Hurricane Dorian off the coast of Jacksonville right now. And as the uh, gusts of wind do happen and the rain squalls do happen, we do have updated information on how you can get back to your home. Uh, if you're in an evacuation zone and uh, an update on some curfews being lifted as well. I guess the biggest one, Mayor Lenny Curry, mandatory evacuations will be lifted at 7 p.m. Bridges are open heading to the beaches. And the way that reads, bridges are open now heading to the beaches, not at 7 o'clock. So uh, that's what uh, Mayor Lenny Curry just tweeted out 10 minutes ago. You have some other information, too, I think, for St. John's County right there, Koo. So if you, if you have that, uh, I don't have that as handy yeah it says uh effective 3 p.m on wednesday september 4th That's which today. is today so or an hour ago curfew and mandatory evacuation orders um have been canceled all right uh meanwhile about a half hour ago uh the bridge of lions will be closed temporarily due to flooding until further noticed according to notice according to the saint augustine police department uh, this in St. John's County schools will have school on Friday. Clay will have school on Friday. We expect everybody to have school on Friday, but I don't know if Duval County has given word on that just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll keep you updated. Uh, bottom line is evacuations are being lifted 7 o'clock tonight for Duval County. Uh, it's happening in St. John's County. Bridges are reopening if they were closed. So it uh, looks like you'll be able to get back to uh, normalcy uh, of sorts by this evening. At the very latest, and that's kind of what was predicted. Uh, you know, if you've been listening to Mike Barish and our first alert weather team for the last, oh shoot, now a week and a half, but really the last couple of days, uh, they've been basically saying by Wednesday night this thing will be out of here, and now the impact will go into uh, southeast Georgia, up in South Carolina, North Carolina. Could actually make landfall uh, in South Carolina, North Carolina area. We'll see what it does uh, from there. Overall, a big sigh of relief uh, here in uh, northeast Florida uh, with Hurricane Dorian. Just a reminder. We ain't out of the woods yet because this is just like the start of the peak of hurricane season. So the next month, probably five weeks, uh, will will be an indicator of, of what else happens. And so far, uh, there's a lot of activity uh, in the tropics. So anyway, keep uh, keep abreast of all that. But uh, good news here, at least on a Wednesday. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos here talking some sports. 
I do want to update you on the weather side of things when we can. And if you want more of it, you go to CBS 47, Fox 30, wall-to-wall coverage. Also on 104.5 WOKV FM uh, 104.5, you can get all the new information on your radio and on your TV uh, from our news departments and also, of course, our first alert weather team. Let's talk a little sports. You asked a question before we get into the high school. Mm-hmm. And once again, congratulations to Sean McIntyre, Creekside High School, our coach of the week for week number two. And thanks to Baker Sports uh, for helping us out with that award on a weekly basis. But before we get into that, you said, what three positions would you pay in order to, like, from top, like, for the most important to the least important top three. In your franchise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying, if Brett Marno, if you're the GM right now and you have money to spend, what spots are you spending money on? Yeah, and, and obviously there's, let me just, there's not a ton of answers to this, but there are premium positions that have always taken the cake, if you will, and that is quarterback, mm-hmm. that is left tackle, that mm-hmm. is pass rusher, that is, I think even corner does enter that at times, I mean, mm-hmm. those are the those are the positions that you would spend high draft capital on, and so therefore Correct. those yeah. are positions you would probably invest a lot of money in as well. And so I don't think that's necessarily wrong uh, in that regard. I think I would probably I would I have to put quarterback on the list. Although I would love to find the quarterback actually like the Jags are doing mm-hmm. that are. $22 million rather than $34 million. I would rather pay, really, this is genuine. I would rather pay Nick Foles $22 million than pay Dak Prescott $32 million. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I think the Jags are in a better situation than what the Cowboys are going to be in. That even the Rams, I'm not sold on golf, man. As being, Now, in that system, with everything around it, everything has worked. Mm-hmm. But when it all breaks down and when they have to start losing guys, is golf going to be the guy that becomes Russell Wilson? I'm not sold on it. Wentz, I'll probably buy into. Yeah. Golf, I'm not buying into. So when I've got to spend $32, $33 million on those kind of quarterbacks, uh, no, I don't know. Like Kirk Cousins, me, I would. I didn't want to spend that money on Kirk Cousins. Well, let me ask you this one. Patrick Mahomes, in a couple of years, is probably going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Would you pay that money to have Patrick Mahomes yes. on your team? Yes. Okay. And I would okay. pay Aaron Rodgers, and I would pay okay. Tom Brady, and I'd probably pay Drew Brees, and I'd play okay. Russell Wilson. So there's a category of guys that I'd pay. Sure. But when you tell me about golf, and you tell me about Cousins, and you tell me about Prescott, and guys, and I'm not saying they're bad, mm-hmm. but if the, because of the times, they're now worth $32 million because that's what the market is, I would rather have a guy like Foles and I'll take my chances at $22 million and I'd get him a receiver for the other $10 million. Yeah. Or a left tackle for the other, t- whatever but, it might be. But let's be honest, Brent. If, if you're going to pay top dollar, if you're going to pay like the top 1% or the 1% to an NFL quarterback, more than likely it's a guy that you drafted, right? True. Because you're going to build him up through your system. Yeah. You, you hardly ever see a scenario where you draft the guy and then you let him go and he becomes, you know, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Now it happens sometimes because yeah. sometimes, you know, teams draft more than one quarterback. You kind of saw that, uh, with Washington with the RG3 and Kirk Cousins. But for the most part, if you have that high paid quarterback, you usually drafted him as well. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but there's just a cutoff. Like, I don't mind paying the elite dollars for the elite QB. The yeah. problem with this day and age right now, the cycle we're in, is you have to take a gamble on a guy that really might not be elite. Derek mm-hmm. Carr. They had to pay him. Well, is Derek Carr elite? Is he worth? Was he worth the, the investment that they put into him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, the Jags got stuck on Bortles. 
I mean, listen, go back to Bortles' situation. Did they have to pay him now in hindsight? No, they didn't have to. They still made overall they needed one more good year out of him to make that investment worthwhile. And they kind of were – the guy had taken you to the AFC Championship game. They almost kind of had to pay him. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> again, people will argue that one because they – you had the player option. You could have done it that way. Hindsight's perfect. I get it. But you almost have to invest in your guy, and that's what happens sometimes. I think they, this might be a mistake to invest in golf for that amount of money. Will it hamper them for a long time to come? I don't know. Will they get yeah. stuck in it? I don't know. I think it's more of just you're not really – I mean, yes, you are investing in golf, obviously, but you're also investing in the system. And, and, yes. and right now, the system has shown that it can pay dividends. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so quarterback Quarterback number right? one. Yeah, and the, that was my and, top and one as well. the curiosity is with quarterback, if you pay $35 million, other things start to suffer. True. And that's what these teams will run into. I've said, I think that's what Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks ran into. They Green couldn't Bay. afford offens- offensive linemen. Yeah. The Packers have run into it. Mm-hmm. What do we brag about on Tom Brady? The fact that he is like the Takes eighth the best, yeah. highest quarterback paid quarterback or 15th highest paid quarterback mm-hmm. because it allows them to do other things. So that can get you in a, in a, in a tough spot. Okay, pass rusher is another one. If you have an elite pass rusher, if you have Von Miller, if you have Demarcus Lawrence, if you have Yannick Ngakwe, but I think right now, Yannick Ngakwe is not the best pass rusher on his football team. I think it fits Calais Campbell. They're paying Calais Campbell a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And Calais Campbell, would you agree, has been more productive even than as, – as much as Yannick's been productive, so, isn't Calais Campbell been more productive? Hasn't from, he been? Yeah, from a defensive lineman standpoint, absolutely, because you have to take into account the position that he's playing, that three tech, or yeah. he's play, playing that big five, but he plays three a little bit too. So his ability in the run game as well kind of goes overshadowed sometime – but he's just as great in the run game as he is in the pass rush game. Not to say Ngakwe struggles in the run games. I don't think he does, but he doesn't get a lot of glory playing that he's edge not as spot. Noticed. Exactly. Yeah, listen, Calais Campbell, I think uh, the st- from the pro football focus people, was yeah. the best defensive lineman in the NFL last year against the run. I think that was. I think those were the numbers. I okay. think he was number one against the run in the okay. NFL. Even better than Aaron Donald. I think so. Okay, interesting. Now, I, I uh, might, maybe I'm yeah, off yeah. by here. Yeah, okay. But, you get the point. No, I mean, he's he, he's elite. I mean, the 2017, he made first-team All-Pro at defensive end, and I think second-team All-Pro at defensive tackle. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the guy's been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, the point being, you have to invest in a dominant defensive lineman. Fair okay. enough. Yeah. Most uh, of the times like it's that. a pass well, rush. It's crazy because, Brent, if you Aaron asked me, Donald's one. Well, yeah, if you would ask that question maybe even five years ago, you'd say, oh, defensive end, pass rusher all day. But now the way the game's going, all of a sudden with the emergence of, I think J.J. Watt kind of led this initiative too a little bit, but you, you have the J.J. Watts. You you have the Clayus Camels. You, you have the Donalds now that, you know, they can get out of the quarterback at that three technique. So it's kind of changing the game a little bit. So I agree with you. Yep, two is a pass rusher. Okay, so now here's what, here's what it comes down to. Yeah. It comes down to, do you next on your team invest into the corner position? Mm-hmm. Do you invest into the left tackle position to protect that investment at quarterback? Understandable. Or do you go get him a pass catcher that's an elite guy? Because elite's not easy to find. DeAndre Hopkins is not easy to find. No. OBJ is Julio not easy Jones, to find. About to Julio make some Jones, money. <laughs> AJ Green over yeah. the years. Those guys are not easy to find. Antonio Brown. But history also shows those guys don't get you to Super Bowls. Correct. Right? The trend is that. So I would say, all right, let's push the receiver aside. Mm-hmm. I can wait on that. Won't be my top three. And here's the other thing I say. I think left tackle 
is hit and miss too much to pay that much money. Okay. See, I think I can find you corners that have been paid that have lived up to the dollars more so than left tackles that have been paid and lived up to the dollars. And now yeah. I'm not, I haven't done the research on it, but sure. you asked me the question, yeah. and I think I can probably find you those guys that the corner. And it probably will cost you a little bit less anyway. Yep. Overall, no, Rims is going to cost you a bundle. He's going to reset the market. But I think maybe it's just because I'm biased here in Jacksonville. But if Cam Robinson turns into an all-pro the next two years, if you take me one guy to have, I'll take Jalen Ramsey instead oh, of Cam Brian, Robinson. We are on the same page right now, man. We're like clockwork. So I agree with what you said there, but I agree with it for different reasons as well. And call me a little, you know, call me a little biased playing on the defensive side of the ball my entire life. But I feel like if you have that bona fide left tackle, you pay him all that money, Brent, a team can game plan around that. Because now you're seeing where the pass rushers will go to the side of the weak, you know, the, 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 the side of the weakest tackle or the weakest guard. It's not like the old days where you had a left defensive end and a right defensive end. No, not, now teams are game planning where the weakest spot of the de- offensive line is, and then they game plan from there. So, yeah, you could have this bookend left tackle, but it doesn't mean he's going to get his money's worth because he's not going to face probably the best pass rusher, as opposed to like a Jalen Ramsey, a shutdown corner, where you just tell him, hey, go play the one, go have fun. So from that perspective, I'm taking the corner number three as well. Well, and here's the fascinating part of all this that we just didn't agree on to a, a bit. Is Miles Jack, what, I pay. No, but no. what do we talk about? We talk offense, offense, offense. Oh, well, true, We just true. said two of the prime positions to pay should be on defense. Well, yeah. It brings us back to that conversation. Well, and it's kind of my point of the, the top three positions to pay. Two of them should be getting new contracts with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, we'll see if that pans out or not with Yannick Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey, but... It's interesting. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. Good call there, too. Uh, and by the way, jump in on the conversation. Star Star 690. Hit us up on the digital channels. You can do that. What Andy Reid had to say this afternoon about Chris Conley, the new Jags receiver, and Ballin' and Fallin' next on ESPN 690. This is one of my favorite guys. So, yeah, you talk about a phenomenal person. That's Chris Conley. Extremely intelligent and loves to play. He, he I'm sure, is a welcomed addition to uh, to that offense. Nick knows them, so they played together, and I'm sure that helped too. And But Chris is top-notch and, and, and uh, as a person and a football player. That's Andy Reid, Chiefs coach on Chris Conley, the new Jags wide receiver, and he knows Foles and he knows Conley well. He coached him up in Kansas City. Very nice comments about Chris Conley. By the way, a little programming note. Chris Conley will join us on a lot of Monday nights and our debut show coming up this Monday night. So Monday night, come watch some football with us, the doubleheader on the NFL. Come hang out with us at Top Golf and Jaguars Report Live. It's a new show. We're debuting it Monday night, 7 o'clock on CBS 47. And you can come on and hang out with us at Top Golf every Monday night. Chris Conley will join us in the first one. He'll join us actually a lot of the times in the fall, but some other players may jump in as well. So uh, come on out, baby. Let's have some fun at uh, Top Golf every Monday during the season. It starts this coming Monday, and you can hang out with us and watch some football as well because there's an NFL doubleheader that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, come say hello. Hopefully, Chris Conley has a big game against his former team on Sunday, and then we can talk all about it. On Monday, that will be seven o'clock on CBS 47 at Top Golf. So love to have you out there. Uh, our Jaguars All Access went to Thursday nights this year on Fox 30. Calais Campbell once again a part of that at Mellow Mushroom uh, in Avondale, 
And so we had an open spot on Mondays, and we decided to put this show out at Top Golf, which is really cool. I'm fired up about it, and hopefully uh, you'll make it a big event like you did at uh, Mellow Mushroom in Avondale on Thursdays. So we invite you out there too, including tomorrow night. Uh, we will have a show. As of now, the show is on, uh, and I don't see any changes in that. Seven o'clock tomorrow night, Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Uh, and if you can't make it out, you can watch it on TV, 7 o'clock on uh, Fox 30, Jaguars All Access tomorrow. So we got programming all over the place when it comes to the Jags on TV side. And, of course, we're talking Jags on a daily basis here on the radio side on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Austin Lade. Real quick thought on uh, on Chris Conley. I mean, how much of a – well, this guy is a cool guy. Yeah. I mean, he is interesting. And he has a chance to have a breakout year in the NFL. I feel that way. Do you sense that could happen? I sense he could actually have a breakout game against Kansas City because if you look at their defense and how they're set up right now, they got Fuller, who I think is probably their better uh, corner at the, at the spot right now, Kendall Fuller. He's probably going to be shadowing D.D. Westbrook. Now, we talked about Mar- Marquise Lee a little bit, Brennan. What, what do you think? I mean, are we going to see him Sunday? Are we going to see Marquise Lee uh, suit up for the Jacksonville Jaguars and play Sunday? I think there's uh, the way he's listed on that, I would say – I would say yes if you if you ask me right yeah. now, but I, just not being able to get a feel for it down there this week, I don't know. I wasn't planning on it, and even if he dresses, I think he'd almost be considered like the fifth guy mm-hmm. or the sixth guy, however many they want to dress. So I don't think he's going to be a factor. Let's just say that. I, I think he could be an option in some um, some sets they run, but I don't see him being a big player in this opening week. I, I, there's no way... They've got to ease this guy back in. They really yeah. do, in my opinion. And I'd be surprised if he played a lot on on Sunday in the opener. Okay, so then, I mean, Grant, I'm not sure what, what the plan is for the Chiefs right now. Are they going to put Breland on Conley? Are they going to put Ward on Conley? I'm not sure how it's going to shape up yet. But I think that their secondary is a little vulnerable, um, especially, you know, I mean, they have the Honey Badger. Um, it's his first year playing Kansas City. They had Daniel Sorensen, who I'm not sure is going to be the starter. I think uh, Juwan Thornhill is going to be taking over from this game against Jacksonville. So I think, listen, what I've seen from Conley, Brent, is the fact that the guy likes to run the go route and that I have seen Foles air the ball a little bit. Now, um, you know, I think Foles sometimes – you know, he's a little underrated when in terms of throwing the long ball because we haven't, I mean, we didn't see the preseason, obviously. We saw him attempted a couple times. Did it quite a bit in practice. Did a couple, yeah, but we saw it a lot in practice. And I think if you're going to unleash Chris Conley on somebody, I think the Chiefs, are obviously with the storylines and everything, are the team to do it against. So I think he's going to have a good game against the Chiefs. You know, you bring up, we have, we have, two, we know two things. Kansas City's offense is really good and yeah. fast. Jags' defense is really good and they're fast too. Sure. We have no idea what Kansas City's defense is going to be. Yeah, they added star power. They got Frank Clark. They got uh, Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. They got better, it looks like. They changed their scheme. Yeah. But I could also make the same claim for the Jaguars' offense, and I have no idea what that's going to look like. I, on paper, yeah, they got Nick Foles, upgraded quarterback. Leonard yeah. Fournette has looked good. They're healthy on the offensive line. Uh, they've got Chris Conley, who nice little veteran mix to a guy like Didi, who looks like he have, might have a breakout. But I can't sit here and sell you on much. I have no idea what it's going to look like, and I bet the folks in Kansas City are saying the same thing about their defense. What a fascinating matchup on Sunday. It's why I call it the fa- most fascinating matchup in the NFL this week, because yeah. you have strength versus strength. And throw your hands up on the other side of the ball when you do that matchup with the Jags offense against the Chiefs defense. So, 
I don't want to sound like a 90s coach here, and you know, I mean, but I'm going to be honest. I think the game, this game is won and lost in the trenches, Brent. I, oh. I think. Oh yeah, here we go again, here right? Here we go. Run hey, the ball, stop the run. Run the ball, stop the run. Well, it's that simple, Brent. It really is. But I think if you look what did at they feed you. What do you mean? For those years in the NFL, oh, I mean, what did nails, they give you? I mean, what did nails they... and. Castro, was there brainwashing that went on? <laughs> run the ball and stop the run. Like a, like, like a clockwork orange, and I'm just sitting there with my eyeballs like wide open, just showing me highlights of people running the ball and stopping the was, run. Was there hypnotism? That, did, did I just trigger something no, that, that being, set you back in a listen, trance? Listen, I'm being serious here because you have to ask the question. Now, I look at Kansas City's offensive line. Um, I think Mitchell Schwartz is is a pretty solid right tackle. I think Eric, Eric Fisher, the former first-round pick, he went number one. Jokel went number two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think Eric Fisher is serviceable at the left tackle spot. But you have to ask the question, Brent. Is Kansas City offensive line, are they legit, or does Patrick Mahomes make them that way? And when I look at the Jaguars' defensive line, I feel like if you're going to cause problems for Kansas City, it has to be in the pass rush. It has to be getting that pressure up the middle. I think the Jaguars have the ability to do that. Now, obviously, yeah, stopping the run is going to be important, too. But like, like I said, the game's going to be won and lost in the trenches. If they can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes and make him uncomfortable, they have a shot. And if they can stop a – listen, I, I get the Kansas City defensive line right now. They got Frank Clark. They got Chris Jones. Those are two guys that warrant attention, right? Like Frank Clark coming from Seattle, um, you know, they basically replaced D Ford with Frank Clark. I'd probably call it a horse apiece. You know, I, I think they're both pretty solid pass rushers, uh, pretty serviceable in the run game. So Frank Clark is just basically p- replacing D Ford. So you're not really gaining anything, losing anything there. And then Chris Jones, you know, I mean, yes, he's playing in a new, new defense now, that 4-3 spot. So he's playing what I assume would be a three technique. But this is a guy last year, Brent, who had, I think, 15-something sacks uh, from the three technique in a 3-4 defense. Not easy to do. I mean, those are better than Clayus Campbell's numbers, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So you have to account for him as well. So from that perspective, you have to – and we have a Jaguars offensive line right now who we've seen them all together the last preseason game, but we don't know how they're going to gel that first game of the season. So they have to solve that pass rush of the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Yeah, I get it, and, and it makes sense. I mean, you, you're So the game is won and lost in the trenches. It, well, <laughs> it could be, but yeah. you also will get the ball to your playmakers, and Kansas City will want to do that – and we talk a lot about Kansas City's vertical game. And I just thought of something, so we'll get the ball in and fall in a moment. But yeah. I want to stay on this because you, you, we're kind of laid right into it. Uh, we talk about the vertical game at Kansas City all the time, right? Yes. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill going deep, big all plays. these guys. they got big plays all over the field. they got mm-hmm. a ton of speed. They can send everybody. Well, what about the big play capability of the Jaguars in this football game on the vertical routes? Because... Conley, you mentioned, yeah. D.D. Westbrook can get there. They've got D.J. Chark can get down there. Keelan Cole's shown mm-hmm. an ability to get down there. But I'm looking at the weakness of their defense. Yep. And this is a guy that doesn't watch the Kansas City Chiefs practice, hasn't really investigated the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm, I'm not I'm not calling the plays against them. Yeah. I, I, but their defense, their corners, Bashad Breland, yeah. who's bounced around the NFL. For a reason. And Rashad Fenton, a sixth-round pick, mm-hmm. who's a rookie. Mm-hmm. If I'm... DeFilippo and Foles, I'm taking my guys and saying, I might not have the best receiving core in the league, but I can beat these guys. Yeah. And so, you know, all this talk about the vertical passing game of the Chiefs and how it matches up against the Jags defense, the key in this thing might be can Foles and Conley and Foles and Westbrook, Foles and Cole, Foles and Chark, can they connect? Yeah. 
a couple of times in this game to make some big plays of their own. And on paper, I kind of like the matchup. Well, but here's how you set but it up, can though, can you block Brent? them up front first? Well, and that's the most <laughs> important part. And what a better way to set up the vertical passing game, which I, I agree with you. I think they're very vulnerable, uh, especially at corner and also linebacker. The, 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 their linebackers, the Jago should be able to exploit as well. Which means you might be able to run the football. Well, and this is my point. If you want to exploit their corners, if you want to throw that vertical ball, which we've seen Chris Conley run numerous times now in training camp, you set it up with the run. You set it up with the play action, and you go from there. And I think if the Jaguars have the ability to, once again, win in the trenches, run the ball a little bit, number one, that makes it easier on the offensive line for the play action because now the defensive line is second-guessing themselves. And also it kind of exploits the corners, who you said and I said as well, are kind of exploitable um, in terms of is it going to be a run or pass, run that play action, and go a couple go routes. Yeah, it should be there all day. Who would you be more comfortable running behind right now, the right side or left side of the Jags line? Ooh, good question. You know, because here's what I say. Like, you well, want Norwell, right? Here's, he's an old yeah, pro guy. But, but Cam Robinson, how ready is he? Jawan exactly. Taylor's good again with the run game. We know he's that. He's a baller. And he's, and he's been good. Who's playing right guard for the... Uh, who knows? So yeah. that, and that's the point. So it's yeah. like, I wonder where they're more comfortable running. To the right side. I mean, obviously, their interior, they kind of sure. like. But yeah. are they more comfortable? I would say on the right side. Because I'm not sure what I'm going to get out of Cam Robinson. And I like Taylor in the run game. Well, you have to ask this question, too. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs right now, game planning... Who are you trying to expose, uh, like for, especially a tackle? Do you think Juwan Taylor's the guy because he's a rookie? Or do you think Cam Robinson coming, with a, coming off that knee injury? I think I'd jump on Cam Robinson. Frank Clarkson being Cam Robinson? Yeah. I, I think I'd so. probably agree on you. Just yeah. because Rust, yeah. confidence, in, I would. And, and yeah. I'll tell you the other reason, Taylor's a big dude. Yeah. I'd say Cam's a small guy. I'm just saying he's yeah. a rock-solid guy. Yeah. So, uh Interesting. Uh, be a lot of fun stuff to break down the next couple of days. I can't well. wait, man. You know, I live for that stuff. I know. Well, yeah. we're doing it. We're yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, forget <laughs> about Hurricane, Dor- Hurricane Dorian. <laughs> we're breaking down the Jags Chiefs, and we got balling and falling next. Welcome back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin to Austin Lane. Getting ready for a football game on Sunday. Just to let you know, we'll have our picks. We are doing a celebrity pick six segment. Are we calling it Celebrity Pick 6 or Celebrity Six Pack? Hmm. I like the Pick 6. Maybe See, it's a six I like pack. the Six Pack, though. I like a Six Pack. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're all kind of degenerates here, right? Kuz <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is. Look at him. He's, got, he's doing everything sip for drinking What's right up, now. What's up, man? What are you doing? What are you eating over there? Cookie. Just a protein bar. Oh, oh I bet it is. By the way, where's the food today, man? It's in the kitchen. No, nah, seriously? A, was oh, there something no. else? Oh, you just, oh, just snacks. You upset? Just I got. Snacks. I thought he meant like someone, somebody catered again. We and missed out on it. Food yesterday, but yeah. uh, but anyway, we'll have some picks on Friday. Uh, celebrity guests to be announced. I don't think I'm going to give that one away. I wouldn't yet. I wouldn't do Pretty it around four thirty. Okay. And so, also, uh, we got a fantasy football draft tomorrow during the show. We do. That's first time in. I'm telling you right now, Brent. First time in sports radio history. Uh, there's probably a reason it hasn't been done in sports history. <laughs> it might be, be the worst stressful. thing that's ever been done on this station. Now. And I that's want, saying a lot. I want to go ahead and apologize, though, because I think we lost a key opportunity to do it today during the hurricane. It, ah, it would have been point. the first fantasy football draft done on live radio during a hurricane. That's true. And that I can put my stamp on. I'm not sure about day and everything. Yeah, I'm not sure we about being the first fantasy thing to be on live radio tomorrow. We'll call it audible and do it now. 
Uh, we, yeah, <laughs> that'd be great for everybody. I don't think Stewart would be uh, a little busy. I think wrapped up, <laughs> yeah, right. trying to make his picks right now. Uh, he's uh, getting Sky Cam Stewart. Yeah, Sky Cam Stewart. You better. All right, let's it. go balling and follow, man. What you got? All right, Brent. Uh, so balling. It's not too often that an, uh, the University of Nevada beats Purdue. It's even less often that a freshman kicker wins the game from a 56-yard field goal, and it's even more or less often that a player gets a scholarship after his performance in his first collegiate game. Well, guess what? Brandon Talton isn't like most players. Check out the audio. With three seconds left from 56 yards out. Does he have it? And then we got a little post-game speech here. That's and it. last but not least, he's from Vacaville. He's from Vacaville. Congratulations. Outstanding game ball and scholarship. Brandon Talton, freshman, 56-yard field goal, game ball, scholarship. Sorry, Purdue. Wolfpack takes it. Yeah, I can't believe. I thought first of all they were saying Jacksonville for a second. I was like, did I miss so this local I, story I, this week? I, I, I tried like, to play what? the audio like ten times. They're not saying Jacksonville. Uh, but that's a cool story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could have balling as well. Did you see the Nationals pitcher? I wonder if this will become a thing now. I don't think I saw this because you know how like the scholarships have become a thing. Yeah. Where everybody does it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, the, oh, what's his name? The uh, it's not my balling, although it's, it could have been balling. The Nationals pitcher, he had, like, Tommy John surgery in 2015. Strasburg? No, no, no. It's a guy you haven't heard of. Okay, gotcha. Uh, 2015, and then another injury in 2015. I think it was an ankle, and then an elbow in 2016. Well, yesterday, his manager at the in the minor leagues kind of made it a big deal, said, hey, this is the best guy I've ever coached, blah, 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 it's great. And then they gave him a ball and said, you're going to the big leagues. And oh, so, wow. But it was done in front of the camera and everything, which was a great idea. That would Aaron be cool Barrett, to see. his name is, by the way. Who was it? Aaron Barrett. There we go. Yeah. And that's a neat story. It was neat how they did it. Wow. Uh, because. Yeah, I'm seeing, the, I'm seeing the video right here. It looks pretty cool. Oh, you have the audio of that, Coos? Let's go, man. Okay, Coos. Where did this come from? Okay, Coos, a little audible. It's an honor that I got to manage you. But it's more of an honor to tell you going back to the big league. Let's go. That's pretty awesome. That's really cool. And, and you know, it, again, I think I've brought this up uh, several times over the summer, too. But I was reading this book about minor league baseball, and it's yeah. about AAA level. And there's a lot of conversation in there about managers pulling guys in, how that's like their best moment is mm-hmm. to tell a guy he's going to the big leagues. Yeah. And uh, I just was th- the way they did this, they had it on video. I'm not sure everybody wants it on video, but it would be a cool thing to see because you know it's an emotional time, especially for anybody that goes up. Yeah. But. This guy, long road back, hadn't pitched up there in like four years. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. I, heck, I might have just made that by balling because Barrett, man, we talked awesome. about it. Yeah. A nice job, Kuz, on that. Maybe Kuz should be balling. Kuz is balling, man. MVP right there. Uh, and really I what like I was going to do is one of our, our top stories, one of the top stories in sports, my balling was going to be Ezekiel Elliott and not necessarily because of his deal, mm. but what it might mean for other running backs around the NFL. This is a position that has been devalued at times. Mm-hmm. It's a position that has been debated on whether you should spend that kind of money. It's been a position it's debated heavily, whether you should pick a guy in the top five. 
and we've seen Fournette, we've seen Ezekiel Elliott, and we've seen Saquon Barkley in recent years go in the top five. And teams are fully invested in that spot. Well, this is just another investment. And of all the players that may have helped change things for their position, I didn't get this sense with with uh, Gurley. I didn't get this sense with Le'Veon Bell for sitting out a year. But I got the sense today with Ezekiel Elliott, the way this thing transpired, with the Cowboys needing still to pay Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott, and they said, hey, we want to pay Ezekiel Elliott first. Mm-hmm. I think this one could go a long way in changing the game a bit, the running back room, and at least getting them more dollars. This is an important position for guys to make money because you don't play that long in general mm-hmm. at that position. Now, the NFL is like that in general, but overall in the running back spot, you don't play as long as a guy like who's a pass rusher will play. You just don't. I go all the way back to our conversations with Maurice Jones-Drew. I never minded what he was doing. I think you could debate on how he did it when he was in Jacksonville, but he had one more chance to get paid, and that's what he knew, and he was trying to get paid because it's such a short life in the NFL as a running back. So I think this was a big deal across the NFL for running backs. See, I'm not sure I would have done it if I was a GM, but yeah. it's a big win for Ezekiel Elliott. It's a big win for running backs, especially good ones around the NFL. See, I, I think it's a big win for the big picture of the NFL too, Brent. Like, yes, it's a big win for the backs, but I think it's a big winner for NFL players in general because what I always talk about, uh, I talk about the power of players believing in themselves. This is another example where a player believed in himself, went against the grain, went against the system, although Jerry Jones is kind of making it known that they're not worried about it. Well, guess what? Now Ezekiel Elliott's the highest paid running back in the NFL. So what did we learn today? We learned that believing yourself once again, and don't get me wrong, I'm not talking to like a, like a depth player where it's like, well, I'm going to believe in myself, I'm going to sit out. Well, then you're expendable. But I'm talking about like the upper tiers. I'm talking about the elite players. I'm talking about Le'Veon Bell. I'm talking about Antonio Brown, now Ezekiel Elliott. We have these guys here, Brent, when they believe in themselves, man, it's been paying off because you're starting to see now that the sheep outnumber the wolves and people are starting to kind of realize that now. And listen, I'm not knocking Jerry Jones by any means because he made a business decision, but to come out and kind of talk smack about, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and then pay him all that money. It's interesting. Now, don't get me wrong. The, the owners still have the, 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 the privilege. Uh, they still have the, the upper hand with Melvin Gordon and Trent Williams now, too, as well. Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in the NFL, yeah. wants Not a budging. new contract. And Trent Williams isn't budging. And guess what? Redskins aren't going to budge either. And I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to get his thing. No. I, I mean, no. I don't think it's going to work out in Gordon's favor. I, I don't I, think so either. No. But I do think Wait. in the big landscape of running backs, this deal helps running backs. It does. But now, who's to say, listen, if some for some reason all of a sudden Gordon gets paid now, then it's like open the floodgates. Everyone's getting some money. And listen, I'll go back and say this about the Ezekiel Elliott part. Yeah. I was not a fan. A uh, guy's got two years, $13 million left on I his deal. You. I'm not a fan of two years left on your deal. I get the one year. That's when negotiations can begin. Mm-hmm. Unless a team comes to you. Uh, listen, it's the structure of the world, whether you like it or and, and I'm not. Maybe it isn't right. Maybe they're right. And I'm, but I don't like that in the NBA. I don't like the NBA, the players being able to dictate where they go and hold teams hostage. I'm not a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're I, I think that's a dangerous precedent to set. And I think the NBA could get itself in trouble with players calling the shots as much as they do. Haven't yet, but they might. Yeah. Just saying. And we'll see. I might be dead wrong on that. But I think if the NFL is going to get into this game, which it appears they are going toward that a little bit, the Antonio Browns, the Le'Veon Bells, the Ezekiel Elliott, I think it's a dangerous thing. And and I think it's good that players get paid. I'm all for it. I think I think once you start bucking the trend and, and all these this business becomes bigger than trying to win and the team, it's just does something that doesn't feel right about that. Now, again, Ezekiel, he won this. 
But with two years, $13 million, it's not like he was getting paid $100,000 to play the running back position this year, you know? I'm going to say this, though, Brent. You said the NBA players are running the NBA, and I agree with that. But in my opinion, the NBA is, has never been more popular than it is right now because of that exact yeah, reason. And, and that's and it's a fair point. It's, yeah. it's very good, and we might have more parity than we've ever had because instead of the three-headed monster, we're having two-headed monsters instead. It's yeah. like it's a tandem deal. Yeah. But that doesn't mean in three or four years it's going to be good because of it. You can find yourself in a bad spot, and that's where I want to see where it ends up. I think it's a little bit – these leagues have survived a long time, and sports has thrived for a long time doing it this way. It hasn't been the wrong way. Now, does this become the better way? Maybe. Maybe it does. Yeah. Um, but I'm a little worried about it when players get that – they take teams for hostage. And, again, it's not the owner. It's not like I'm for the owner. When you take a team for hostage, you're taking your teammates for hostage. You're taking a fan base for hostage. Yeah. You're doing a lot of that. Well, and and you got to look out for number one. I get it. I get and, it. And but. this begs the question real quick, too. 2020, this new CBA, do you start to see a shortened um, deal in terms of, you know, the, the first-round picks? Or now, the running backs. Yeah, the running back they, union, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to have to maybe like a, like a, three, uh, a three-year deal instead of a four-year deal with a fifth-year op, fifth option. And so maybe that's the way to do it, it, right? I mean, again, this might spark good change. It might really have. I'm just not convinced of that just yet. Yeah. Uh, could be dangerous. All right, we got fallen. Speaking of dangerous, offensive lineman with no clothes on next. <laughs> All right, balling and falling continues. Before we get to, uh, I'll do that in a minute. We're going to have to ring the bell, a special ring of the bell. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not even a part of falling. Said this would be kind of more like balling. But welcome everybody back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hurricane Dorian passing through. Uh, evacuations lifted at 7 o'clock in Duval County. Already being lifted uh, in St. John's County. School is back in on Friday. Good news there. Bridges are open. So that's your latest update. Once again, I remind you, if you want more on the weather front, uh, we're, we're trying to be a little bit of an outlet for you if you've had too much. But if you want a little bit more and the latest, check out CBS 47 and Fox 30, a first alert weather team. Doing a fantastic job giving you uh, pictures and, and everything from the area, what's happening at the beaches, and also on 104.5 FM, uh, you can uh, check out all the coverage of Hurricane Dorian. Nobody doing it better. But let's get back to sports, and how about a little fallen? Ooh, we got a wild one last night on the Diamond. Beat the Mets. Beat the Mets. <laughs> Come right up and beat the Mets. Yeah, in a set NL wildcard division, every game matters, Brent. And with a month left of baseball, the Mets found themselves in Washington with a nice, cozy, comfortable six-run lead last night in the ninth before the floodgates opened, allowing seven runs and a giant L against the Washington Nationals. Here's a little bit of audio. Kurt Suzuki, see you later. The Nets have won it. Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. Everyone dances. Unbelievable! Are you kidding me, Kurt Suzuki? This ball club is something else, I'm telling you. Something special is going on in D.C., folks. I have never seen anything like that ninth inning. 11-10, to 10, and he walks off the Mets. Unbelievable. So he said the Nats win it. Because I thought for I was like, wait a second, I thought the Mets lost last night. Uh, but Nats, okay, yeah. yeah, the Nats, got you. But yeah, there you go. Um... <laughs> Nice talk about by the Mets game. today. They beat the Nats eight to four. They did. Uh, are we starting to slow down the hype train now of the Mets? I mean, it's pretty much done, right? It's pretty much done. Okay, they, I mean, they went on like a yep. six-game slide, and that yeah. that kind of killed it. Uh, that was really all about Peter put, Alonso and, and hitting home runs. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. The more we don't talk a ton of baseball here, 
But the more you, you have to really tip your cap to the Nationals. In April and May, they were not very good. Mm-hmm. And they've come all the way back to take really a commanding lead in the wild card and be right in the middle of this thing. And how bizarre is it that Bryce Harper leaves Washington, goes to Philly, and the Phillies have disappointed this year with Bryce Harper and all that money. They're yeah. a couple of games back in the wild card, might not even make the postseason. The team he leaves, still good enough mm-hmm. to go to the postseason, it looks like. And what if? What if after all the debacles and and disappointment in Washington in the postseason, what if they make a run in October without Bryce Harper? Storylines, you know, sports. Uh, And it's crazy how that works sometimes, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, Yes, most teams are better with a guy like Bryce Harper. Sure. But it's funny. Maybe the distractions, the this, the that uh, makes other guys play a little harder, makes guys play a little better. Uh, and, and that's what's happening right now in uh, Washington, and they've been able to really come back after a disappointing start. One one note, because we're keeping track of the Huckleberry bet, right? Huckleberry, I am. I I don't want to get. I'm not getting overconfident. This is going to be something maybe kind of bad of me, but I don't. Why do you call it the Huckleberry bet? Uh, that's a long story. Okay, let's gotcha. Just, okay, okay. Let's just roll it's, with it. It's it's not a common term though. I'm just saying, right? It's like, not, but it's okay, not going. I'm not going to put that part on TV. Is it from Tombstone? I mean, on radio. Is it from Tombstone? Nope. Okay, then never mind then. Okay, that's that's what Which, I was associating. We have Huckleberry to wait to with. see how this thing plays out, and then maybe there'll be more of an explainer okay. down the road. Gotcha. But the bottom line is, the Huckleberry bet yep. is, I need someone other than. Yes. It's $100 on the line here. I Pride, too, Brent. Oh, no, way more. I could care less about the $100. That's what I'm saying. Stakes can never be higher. Oh, man. That's unbelievable. If I, if I win this, I, I mean, go crazy. Well, it's it, it harder for this to be won than I would for the Red Sox to win the World and Series And I'm the first person who, who should be getting this because when we picked our picks for the divisions and go to the World Series, you told me that bet, and... You I said was I was support. crazy. Oh, yeah, you're crazy. And somebody else might have called me a huckleberry. Okay, gotcha. That's where it's coming from. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, the Astros, yeah. the Indians, Oof. the Red Sox, and the Yankees. One guy has that. those four teams. Yeah. I have the rest. Mm-hmm. Those four teams cannot get to the World Series. They cannot make it to the World Series. I know that's all. I know that's that's why I it's was just the Astros, the man. Just the Astros. That's the only team I'm worried about. Well, the Astros and the Yankees, obviously, yeah, are the two Yankees, best teams. But they, they love off the long ball, Brent. We know the story with the long ball. But here's what I want to have a fight and chance. What do you got? I knew the Red Sox weren't going to do anything. I was smart enough to know that. Then the Indians came back like gangbusters <laughs> in the second half. They were down by 11 games to yeah. the Minnesota Twins. Well, yeah. now they've taken a backseat. The Twins are taking care of the Central. So I got the Twins. Mm-hmm. What I want is two teams against the Yankees. And the Astros. So I get a fair chance. Well, the A's and the Rays are in that wild card hunt. In fact, the Rays now have a game lead, and the A's are tied with the Indians. I need the Indians to be booted out of any postseason play, and then I would have the A's, Rays, and Twins, and the other dude would have the Yankees and the Astros. That's all I'm asking. That's what I'm rooting for. You just want a fighting chance, Brent. That's all you're now, if I really for. want to get greedy, I want the Twins to have the top seed, so then the Astros and the Yankees have to play each other. Oh, I like that. Yeah, but yeah, that's a that's, little far fetched. That's, that's like lot. three games difference. Yep. That's hard to do, but it, I, I'm hopeful. Well, okay. obviously, I hope you win. I hope the A's do well because I had the A's as my wild card team when we met our there picks. You go. So. A's, I'm telling you, if you go look at what the A's have done and the Rays have done, mm-hmm. and even the Twins, they've really been impressive. Yep. Okay, enough baseball. I gotta yeah. get to my fall. Yeah, what do you this got? This body issue, dude. We had this conversation. A couple weeks ago, you said love you it. would love to do love the body it, issue. Man. I, I said, I "What is up with the body issue right now?" Do yeah. we really have to see three hundred pound grown men, dude, yes. almost naked? Yes, 
all together on the offensive front. To be fair, when I was at the Eagles tailgate last year, it didn't look much different. That was <laughs> They should ban the body issue after the Eagles offensive line took part in the body issue. This is the beauty of the body issue. You're missing the whole point here, man. The point of the body issue. Listen, it's not like the the Sports Illustrated swimsuit uh, magazine where it's like, you know, it's supposed to be aesthetically pleasing. Yes. The whole point of the body issue is to showcase and celebrate athletes that have different types of bodies and when you're talking an offensive lineman um they probably don't have the most aesthetic uh, aesthetically pleasing body nope they don't uh, i can confirm yeah but guess what they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars because they're the top of their craft and that's the beauty of the uh, and that's why i'm so into it brent because like every body is different in terms of athletes you know like if you look like like a gymnast body compared to i don't know maybe like a skier's body there's gonna be differences or a basketball player and that's why i love this thing that they have they have the philadelphia eagles offensive lineman naked basically and you know i'm on the cover of the body issue and i'm all for it you remember when prince fielder prince fielder had his body issue and he was on the cover of it and prince fielder's kind of a bigger dude right I thought it was awesome, man, because, listen, it, it takes all shapes and sizes to be successful in professional sports, so I celebrate I it. I can see that with their uniform on, man. <laughs> I mean, I can. Listen, it's nothing personal, guys. It's just that I look at my own body every day in the yeah, mirror. Yeah. I don't even want to do that. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you see Jason Kelsey at the bar and you don't follow football... Do you think people are going to believe that this guy makes millions and millions of dollars? He's one of the best centers yeah. in the game? They I are, doubt it. They are awkwardly shaped at they times, are, the offensive yeah. linemen. But again, I can see that with a uniform on. <laughs> I don't need to open up the body issue to see that. Oh, Ryan O'Halloran joins us next on ESPN 690. Talk more NFL. Hey, welcome back. 5 o'clock hour and everything's starting to open back up, it looks like. Which uh, is good. Back to normal, mm-hmm. which is expected. We still have some rain and some uh, gusts, of course, of wind. Uh, Hurricane Dorian off the coast and passing through. And good luck now to our friends uh, north, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. They'll get uh, some of the brunt of what's going on. But uh, not a bad day overall here in northeast Florida. Easy for me to say. I've been inside all day, uh, not been dealing with the elements. But uh, overall, again, what this thing looked like early last week or, or even going into the weekend, uh, totally different. And we're talking sports, so if you're tired of the weather, here we are for you. If you want a little more weather, like I've been saying, CBS 47, Fox 30, you can listen in and watch right now. Also, you can listen on 104.5 FM WOKV if you need um, more of the weather fix and important information happening on that side. Uh, otherwise, you're probably toasting the end to your hurricane party, and you can do so with Vita de Louis. It's happy hour horn time. Grab a drink, 
Get a shot and tip your star tenders. Hey, Vinny DeLuise recently got a 94 rating. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vinny DeLuise tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLuise.com. Drink responsibly, of course. And also... Thanks to Vita DeLuise for hanging out with us at our Action Sports Jacks Dream 18 Golf Tournament that is coming up on September 16th. And, well, it looks like the storm passed by and maybe didn't cause a lot of damage to golf courses. So we hope that's the case at the Golf Club at Southampton, uh, which will reopen uh, later this week. And we'll be host to our Dream 18 Golf Tournament on September 16th. Looking forward to that. Brent, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll be sure to cause them the most damage there you when I go play will, back, like you did the last time you played there. Absolutely. Uh, before we get to Ryan O'Halloran, one thing I forgot to mention. Remember I said you have to ring the bell? Oh, yeah. Good call. Well, because neighbor Jenny, it's her birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Jenny. Yeah, so Should you got to ring the bell for Mississippi State. There we go. Thank you very much. You're uh, very welcome. One of our loyal listeners. Are we get, ever get the story where that bell came from in Mississippi State? Uh, probably, but One I may day. have forgotten by then. <laughs> it's all by now. I'll have to go okay. look it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. We used to do like like when like our little league peewee hockey games. We used to have. Yeah, all the parents used to ring bells as well. So. Really, you did yeah. the bell thing. Oh, my, so, oh, my grandma. Yeah, for sure. They had. To, they had. It. Sometimes you pay fines for ringing the bells, like at college games now, yeah. and they're willing to pay it. Yeah. Uh, at uh, I went to Lake City, Columbia, a couple weeks ago for our game of the week, and yeah. they do the uh, the coin shakers. You know, like yep, in the, the I know what you're talking about. and make all the noise that well, way. Well, Wisconsin used to do like the, the keys, the badgers. You said like the keys thing. You just kind of jingle your keys a little okay. bit. So, yeah, everyone's got something. What do they do out in Denver? We welcome in uh, <laughs> Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post. Of course, beat writer for the Broncos. But we talk all things NFL. Uh, that place can get rocking, can it, Ryan? It can. Uh, you know, it shakes a little bit. But good to join you guys. And uh, when Brent, when you texted me this morning saying there was a show, I was glad to hear it since uh, we've had a, a couple instances where we were stranded in Houston like two years ago for a hurricane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The Jags are uh, not practicing today. So this one's a little bit different than the Houston trip you're talking about where they stayed an extra couple of nights while they were stuck in Houston after the game. This one uh, yeah. impacts maybe a bit more being on the field today. But uh, nonetheless, I think uh, it's minor in the grand scheme of things. All right, man, you got a football game this week, too. Uh, Monday night, all right? Yep, yep, ten twenty uh, Eastern for those of us, for those of you who are night owls and can't sleep. That's crazy. <laughs> That's all. It's kind of fun. It, it's actually a lot of fun out here uh, with the doubleheader on Monday night. But uh, what do you expect in that football game from a Broncos standpoint? Well, and uh, I expect Big Fangio to have a couple tricks up his sleeve and and uh, you know cause some problems for Derek Carr and you know Antonio Brown is the wild card. You haven't seen him play in the preseason. There's been a ton of drama. You know I asked John Gruden about that today. Of course he downplayed it, saying that was for the cameras. But uh, <laughs> but I you know it'd be interesting to see what kind of chemistry him and Carr have right off the hop. What uh what what's the feeling in Denver with Flacco as the quarterback, Fangio as the new guy? Uh, you know, is it like everywhere else? Is there there a cautious optimism? Is there bigger than that? The problem for the Broncos is even if you have cautious op- optimism, the reality is you have the Chargers who are very good on paper, and you have the Chiefs who are obviously very good on paper too. Yeah, I think the optimism in the locker room is a lot higher than it is in the public, and that's the you know that's usually what it is. And after three straight playoff years, that which which followed five straight division titles, you know this fan base is in a show me mode right now. Hey. We'll support you. We're going to watch you on TV. But, you know, you need to get off to a good start and show you show us that times have changed. 
Ryan O'Halloran here, joined from the Broncos beat writer for the Denver Post. Uh, Ryan, a little big picture topic here. Obviously, one of the big news of the day is Ezekiel Elliott signing his new deal, um, a deal which I thought wasn't really going to happen. Uh, you, you hear Jerry Jones kind of talk about him saying Zeke who and everything like that when all of a sudden they get the deal done. And my question to you is, number one, are you surprised of the deal? But number two, with the new CBA coming forward in 2020, are we going to see maybe a, a new setup now where these rookie contracts, especially for the first-round guys, aren't going to be four years with a fifth-year option? Are we maybe going to see maybe like a three-year deal with like a, like a fourth-year option now? Well, if I'm the if I'm the if I'm the if I'm the union, that'd be a good route to go. Yeah. Um, you know, right now that fourth and fifth year, let's say then you tag a guy. Well, it's for six years under the under club control. Um, where the where the Elliott thing is interesting is he had two years left on his deal, um, so they extended him. This takes him through his prime years, but really you start you know some of the cap numbers are starting to seep out. You know, it looks like there's an out two year uh, two three years from now. So, you know, we'll see what the real money is. You know, the fifty million guaranteed. I, I just can't believe another running back got paid. Uh, I mean, to me, it just it doesn't make any sense. And I, I, that, I'm not pro owner. I'm not pro union. Either way. I don't think it just it doesn't make a lot of fiscal sense because they got to think that Ezekiel Elliott is going to a stay out of trouble, b stay healthy, and c stay productive. That's three big asks for that position in pro football. Yeah, absolutely is, and it could change the game. I mean, it's good for running backs everywhere because the price keeps going up, and even not bottom level deals or mid level deals. I think this kind of deal could have an impact on uh, for sure. We'll see how Ezekiel Elliott plays. He's been fantastic when he's on the field and when he's when he's ready to go. But uh, I agree, it's a lot of money for a running back. Speaking of a lot of money, Jared Goff, you had to do it right. I mean, a hundred and whatever yeah. thirty million bucks, but. Gosh, Ryan, I mean, to me, this guy is not in that category. He's not a 30-plus million-dollar quarterback. Uh, is that just me, or or did they just have to do it? Well, as, as, as a defensive player on the Broncos said to me today, 110? <laughs> so, because that's the guaranteed money. and Because you know, they faced him last year. He had a pedestrian game here in Denver. It was freezing cold. I think he got sacked five times, threw an interception, you know, made a couple of plays on third down. You know, the going rate now is $25 million a year. Yeah. And they went above a little bit above beyond that. It's uh, just like, you know, it's good to be an average quarterback in this league. The running back thing, you have to be a superstar to get that kind of, you know, the, you know, the market setting money. Whereas a quarterback, you know, you could go nine and seven and you're at $25 million a year. I think I might have asked you this before, but with the quarterback, just the average salary of a quarterback getting to this level, uh, like you said, $25 million, and then some have to even pay more. Like, is Kirk Cousins a $28, 29000000 million quarter? I don't think so. Uh, Derek Carr's deal for years ago, I don't think so. Listen, Aaron Rodgers, I think I'd pay him whatever I can pay him, even if it hurts your football team. But the point I'm getting at is because it's so skewed on that side, do you think we get to a point in the new CBA or somewhere along the way where the salary cap has to even increase just to be able to fit more good players under the cap? Well, Potentially, but the other thing is um, that the next quarterback contract is Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to be the first forty million dollar year player. Yeah. And where if I'm the you know you've seen you've seen some pundits talk about this in recent years where should some of that quarterback salary not count against the cap? And you know should you know should you make an should you make an ex, you know extraordinary player exception where 
you know, maybe that counts, maybe his salary counts 75% again, you know, of the cap. So, mm-hmm. um, it'd be, it'd be a lot of working pieces there, but, uh, where I, where, where I thought of what you were going there, Brenton is okay. Who sets the market next? I think it is going to be Mahomes. Yeah, it absolutely will be Mahomes. I mean, that thing is going to be off the charts. I, I just think they have to, ch- you want to be able to keep a guy like that. And I get it. If you have, you should reward that guy. You should be rewarded for drafting that guy, but you also want to be able to put stuff around him. <laughs> if you pay that guy 40 million, well, you, it really minimizes what you can put around him. You can't afford everybody. That's just the way the structure is. So it'll be fascinating uh, to keep an eye on. Hey, what do you think about speaking yeah, of Mahomes? Quick, real, real quick, Brad, on, on, on the uh, top heavy of the cap, that's where a team like the Rams is going to be interesting. Right now you've got Goff, Donald, and Gurley. And that's three players maybe taking up 30% of your cap. Yeah, that yeah. means you better be able to draft and develop on day two and three of those drafts. You have to. You have to fill your roster with those friendly deals. Uh, and, and if you don't, you're in trouble. And you're eating those contracts, even if you have some pretty good players. Okay, speaking of Mahomes, how do you see? I think this, I think, I, I, probably because I'm right here, right? Uh, but I think this is just fascinating all across the league. You have this fantastic offense, a fantastic defense on paper with the Jags. And then you have two real unknown offenses. Like, what is Filippo and Foles and this Jags offense going to look like? What is that new look Kansas City defense going to look like? Fascinating matchup. Yeah, I mean, the week one schedule by all accounts sucks. This is the best. This is one of the top games. I mean, this is the game we're getting in Denver for the early game. So um, so there is some national appeal. And it's, it's, the, it's a classic match of strength versus strength. You would anticipate Chiefs offense versus Jaguars defense. But, you know, if they cancel themselves out and Kansas City has – course, three touchdowns on offense, and Jacksonville has maybe one or two takeaways. Can Nick Foles and Leonard Fournette do enough? Can they take take advantage of a new Kansas City defense with so many new players, with a new scheme, with a new play caller to try and keep up with the Chiefs? How, they can outscore Kansas City, but can they create a couple of takeaways to have a couple of short fields and score red zone touchdowns? That's the key. Ryan, you know, obviously being with Denver, you see the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year. Um, you've seen a city of a pretty solid defense in the Denver Broncos try to take on the Chiefs. I mean, I, I can sit here and say, yeah, obviously you have Tyreek Hill, you have Travis Kelsey. Um, they had Kareem Hunt, you know, this past year, but they always have the weapons. My question to you is, how do you stop all those weapons? Because it seems like Andy Reid is the mastermind of getting the ball to his, play ma- to his playmakers, regardless of what defense you throw at him. Yeah, and when they when the Chiefs played in Denver on Monday night last year, and I wish I had that number in front of me, I think they had maybe three. The Broncos had maybe three sacks, but they had like 15 pressures. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get them down. They you know they would flush them out of the pocket. They try and chase them down. He would throw a pass left-handed. Uh, he would try and scramble and extend the play. So that's the big thing is for Todd Wash. What is your what is your rush plan? I still think you got to be aggressive and blitz and not worry about staying in your lanes and containing the edges because Mahomes is going to get around those guys anyways. I think you got to be very aggressive and trust your corners. And the big matchup for me is who covers Kelsey. You got two young safeties. I don't don't really like a linebacker against Kelsey. So do you maybe play a little bit of nickel as your base? 
to get uh, maybe DJ Hayden against Kelsey just a little bit. Yeah, we talked about that a bit yesterday. It's a fascinating uh, uh, conundrum, if you will, for this defense because you lose Tayshawn Gibson, who could be really good against tight ends. Jags don't have that right now. And with Telvin Smith gone, too, it doesn't give kind of take away some flexibility. So I think you're right on the money there. The one thing about Kansas City, you know they're going to make some big plays. Like, you have to be okay yeah. with that. You're going yeah. to give up a couple. You just can't give up a lot, but you know you're going to give up a couple. And then it's just about the offense of the Jags. Can they keep up? Can they score 27? Can they get to 30? Whatever the number might uh, need to be. One more football question, Ryan, and then I'm gonna and then I'll let you go on wrestling if you need to because you guys missed it last week. We did, yeah. uh, but <laughs> no, I missed it. I missed it again this week. Yeah, it's all good, man. I still have a couple questions for oh, you. It's gosh, all good. okay. I even watched a little of the all elite wrestling. See that? Yeah, you want thank to just, you, man. Want okay. to just have oh, conversation so with me? Brett. All right, we're still talking By wrestling now. They found, they found the belt. Jericho's belt has been found. Yeah, hey, you know what? That story's coming later on and stay in your lane. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Good. I'm just trying to show you my yeah. knowledge. No, I, I appreciate All it, right, man. Last one for you, man. Uh, ramifications week one. I think it's that doesn't really happen in the NFL. But is there a game like uh, Steelers, Patriots? So is there a game that could say down the road, ooh, you, you missed a chance. I know it was early, but you missed a chance. Yeah, I'll give you a quick story from the past. When I was covering the Redskins, Drew Bledsoe is the Dallas quarterback. Both Redskins and Cowboys both lose week one. They play each other week two. Bledsoe gets on the conference call and says, hey, is the sky falling up there too? (laughs) 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 And that's the natural thing. There's going to be half the teams in this league who are going to have some momentum. The half the teams are going to be saying, holy crud, we can't start 0-2. But I look at that Jets-Bills game, and it's an off-the-radar game, but it's a rare division game for week one. And, you know, is that a loser who really digs himself a hole? Because one of those teams could contend for a wild card because you're going to figure Miami, that's two wins because the Dolphins are going to be a complete debacle. But that's one game. I look at Falcons-Vikings because I think both those teams could be playing for a wild card. That could end up playing a a big uh, head-to-head tiebreaker three months from now. Yeah, very good call there. All right, take it away, Austin. Appreciate it. So, Ryan, I'm not sure that you said you didn't watch wrestling, but I'm sure you've probably been keeping track of it. So, Bailey um, ends up turning heel. Uh, with the with with the chair shot to Becky Lynch, and then she she comes out last night SmackDown Live, and she's almost playing the role now of like a delusional heel. So she's like kind of teeter tottering on being a heel or being a face. You don't really know where it's gonna go. Well, you know, for Monday Night Raw when she hit Becky Lynch with the chair and she was a full blown heel, the crowd was cheering for her. You know, it was almost as big as pop as when Becky Lynch got her pop back in the day. So my question to you is, I mean, what do you do with Bailey now? Do you go all in uh, on the heel? angle or do you kind of keep in um, you know to account that there are a lot of kids out there she is kind of like the female john cena and you just kind of ride the wave a little bit of just having her be a face and then a heel again well i i i don't want them to teeter yeah just do it one way or the other and they were smart enough they knew that john cena was never going to be a heel of course and 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 roman reigns is never going to be a heel Mm -hmm. because of the kids so if, if you're if you're committed to trying that out Give it a shot for a couple weeks, and if you don't like the reaction, uh, you can try something different. All right, be honest with us. When you call around the country to some other shows, anybody let you talk wrestling? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Ryan, I got one question for you. Did, did oh, you, you got another one. Well, I got to ask him about the All Elite Wrestling pay per view, Brent. Is That's that cool? Fine. Go ahead. Are we good we with don't that? need to go to breaks or okay, anything. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Cool. Hold, hold the phone. All right. Uh, so, Ryan, did, did you watch the All Elite Wrestling pay per view? All. Oh, I did not. Okay. I did not. Okay, well, there you go then, Brent. Easy enough for you. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I, I got to forgive. So, by the way, heads up, guys. I, I will not be watching it next week either because of that Monday night game. Yeah, oh, of course. See, he's not oh, a DVR watch a split guy. Screen. 
Huh? Get a DVR it or something. I don't know. You? For sure. Well, it's kind of hard to DVR pay per view. I feel like, but yeah. you can't do that. No, I didn't. I don't that. think so. I, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, didn't I, don't think, I, I don't think you can. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Well, hey, you're working too hard anyway, covering the Broncos <laughs> from the Denver Post. Ryan O'Halloran. Hey, thanks, man. We'll catch up with you next week after Week One is in the books. Can't wait for it. What? Look, look forward to it, guys. Thanks. All right. Uh, Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post. You just cover the Jags, of course. And we'll talk a little wrestling like nobody else <laughs> in the country will do. We're coming up next. I want to speak to an old friend from Jacksonville who's now a head coach at Ole Miss. And how this hurricane impacted the Bahamas. There's a tie in all of that. It's coming up next. We still have Stay in Your Lane later down the road. And we'll talk more football as well here on a Wednesday edition. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Brent Morton, former Jags player Austin Lane. Coos here as well on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690, of course, uh, the storm through Jacksonville uh, off the coast is pulling away now, heading up toward the Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina area. This is a two-week storm, Hurricane Dorian, and uh, Jacksonville uh, got a bit of a break. It didn't come as close as initially thought, and then it was predicted that it would not come uh, that close in the last few days by our first alert weather team. And uh, thankfully, got some rain, got some wind, uh, but overall, things are opening back up, and, and things are in pretty good order here in Jacksonville. Not the case, of course, in the Bahamas, and all our thoughts are continue to be uh, with everybody in the Bahamas, where this hurricane just sat uh, over the Bahamas for more than a day, really about two days, and did a lot of damage. And uh, right now, we I reached out yesterday to former Jacksonville University women's basketball coach, uh, Yolette McPhee McEwen, and she has family and friends, and she can tell us a little bit more about that in the Bahamas. But uh, I wanted to see how she was doing, how everybody was doing, and how anybody could help, because I know she got a lot of friends in the Jacksonville area as well. Former uh, JU women's basketball coach, current Ole Miss women's basketball coach, uh, Coach Yo is what we call her. How are you, Coach? Brad, how are you? Uh, great to hear you know from what? you. Good to hear. I, I'm, I feel like a superstar being on the show. I hate this for this reason, but thanks for the invite. Well, we always love to hear from you anyway, and, and hope you're doing well. I've been following you a little bit at Ole Miss, too, and, and uh, that's an awesome step in, in your coaching career, and hope things yeah. are going well uh, with the women's basketball program. But when I saw uh, all the, the, uh, uh, the mentions on Twitter and the, and yeah. the thoughts about yeah. your family and friends, give us a little bit of background, uh, just how much it, it impacted the Bahamas. Oh, my gosh. Well, we've had – this is our second Category 5 in the Bahamas. The first one was Hurricane Andrew, and um, we had to do major rebuild then, and that was in 1992. And so the hurricane, when it first was on the horizon, it was a Category 3. Well, in the Bahamas, that's no big deal. But uh, before people could get out, it turned into a Category 5, and it hovered over the island for 48 hours, um, causing catastrophic damage. I mean, people's homes were flooded. Uh, hundreds of people lost their lives. Eighty percent of the of Grand Bahama was flooded, and Ab- Abaco is wiped out completely. So it's just super depressing, and, um, you know, right now we just need help from anybody. 
Coach Yo, what? Uh, how many folk? I mean, family, friends. Uh, yeah. how, how have you been in communication with with folks back in the Bahamas? Is that even possible, yeah. uh, given yeah. the circumstances? Well, I, at first I couldn't reach my parents, so you can understand the panic I went through for two days, and um, <clears throat> and then finally some of the lines opened up, and some of my former high school classmates went to their home and found them for me to make sure that they were okay and and thankfully they were uh but but people have so far the death toll is up to 25 um and 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 that's a lot because bahamas only has 200,000 people you know and this is just and, and and they're not even done like a lot of a lot of the settlements are still underwater so the discovery is going to continue to be heartbreaking as the water drains out. You know, one guy was on TV last night talking about how his wife drowned right in front of him. It's just really sad um, that anybody has to go through this and uh, especially our little country in the Bahamas. Uh, beautiful country it is, too, uh, Coach Yola. Uh, Yolette McPhee McEwen, former Jacksonville University women's basketball coach, now the women's basketball coach at Ole Miss, joining us. Um, obviously, Bahamas native land, her parents still there, many friends and family still yeah. there. Uh, you actually have done a lot in the Bahamas. Uh, yeah. Your resume says you're still coaching. I don't know specifically what team you do coach there, but you also mm-hmm. have a back-to-basics foundation that you started to help yeah. the youth in the Bahamas. Give us a little bit more of that background, how connected you still are, even though you're now in the States full-time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was born and raised in the Bahamas. I came to the United States to play college basketball. That was my first time. And uh, I am the national team coach, the women's bas- the senior women's national team coach. And so, you know, this is a place that gave me all my values, my work ethic, just everything about me was that my foundation is in the Bahamas. So I'm 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 home at least two three times a year, and my kids spend every summer down there. Talk about a vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they spend summers down in the Bahamas, and so. I am super connected. All of my family is there. Like, I don't have any family in the United States other than my immediate now. I'm married with two kids. But um, it is near and dear to me. And actually, I was flying home next week because my my dad was receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award, which that's not going to happen. But at the time, I was flying down next week to go to that event. And he's a a legendary basketball coach in the Bahamas, right? Yes, yes. He's a legendary back to, uh, uh, basketball coach. He coached the Olympic team. He has, he has dedicated his life to youth and basketball. He has his own foundation helping our youth through education and sports. And he's since retired. So as soon as we had kids, they both retired. My mom was a teacher for 30 years. Um, and so, you know, the Bahamas is there and there to me. And so I wanted to give back, and I knew the easiest way was to create a GoFundMe account. And so if you want to help, and we're accepting, I don't care if it's five bucks, uh, with donations, and if you type in Coach Yo, it'll pop up. It's the the Hurricane Dorian Relief with Coach Yo. And what I want to do with the funds is I want to get boots on the ground and, and support the organizations that are in place to take care of uh, rebuilding the Bahamas. But also, let's think about the catastrophic, the mental 
um, care that people are going to need. Kids watch their homes get wiped away. Families, parents are worried about how are they going to provide for their kids if there's no jobs. Like, the airport is underwater. So this is going to be something that's not just for now. It's going to be years in the working. And so I'm trying to raise $50,000 to do my part um, to be able to help back into building uh, the Bahamas. And once again, that's uh, Coach Yo. You can look up on the GoFundMe yes. account and uh, help the cause out. Uh, we'll continue to spread the message, not just today here on the show, but uh, on social media as well, and, and maybe do our part to help you, you get some more dollars uh, for that effort. Yeah, I think it's cool you that you're so doing much. that. You have a lot of great friends all over the place, too. Obviously, the Bahamas uh, is what you're trying to raise yes. money for, but I've always uh, I always loved the fact I'm, I'm an East Providence, Rhode Island guy, and you graduated from the yes. Rhode Rams, so... <laughs> Uh, how, <laughs> how much have people reached out to you from here in Jacksonville and oh your God. days at JU, back in Rhode Island, and, of course, I'm yeah. sure the Ole Miss family is now helping you out, too, and supporting Oh, yeah. It's, it's been incredible. I mean, really, it, it, I, I have just broken down in tears, just really grateful for the people that have contributed. I've even had players from other universities donate to the GoFundMe um, that I, I had never even met. And so it just shows the impact that a sport can have on on people. And so JU has had my back. I've gotten donations from numerous people there that I didn't even know was paying attention. And, uh, and then obviously the women's basketball community, but just the community in general, the social media community. We need to call that a community too because mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're friends with people that you've never met. So the social media community has jumped on board and has really helped with with it. And in a day, we've raised $15,000. That's awesome. And that will keep up. And uh, everybody contribute if you can, if you have the means to do so. Help the folks in the Bahamas. Yes. Uh, I think everybody was touched by that scene, just watching the storm sit there. And now some of the images oh that have obviously yeah. come out of the Bahamas, yeah. uh, our thoughts uh, are with your family and, and everybody else. I don't want to leave you without asking. I know basketball is secondary at the moment, yes. but you had such success <laughs> here at JU, and, and you no. did fantastic things with the Jacksonville Women's Program. I uh, made it to the postseason the last few years in your yeah. career uh, in Jacksonville, and then uh, deservedly so, got a chance at Ole Miss in the SEC. How is yeah. your basketball team doing? How do you like it there at Ole Miss? Yeah, well, I love it at Ole Miss. You know, I'm always going to be a Dolphin. You know, that's the first place that gave me an opportunity. And actually, we just got a commitment from a young lady down there, and I've been talking to Coach Haney about getting back down there and playing at the historic Swisher Gymnasium. Nice. And so uh, this job is similar to JU when I first took over. It is a rebuild, and uh, but I'm, I'm feeling hopeful about the future. Our recruiting has gotten – has been incredible – and so we're going to see the benefits of that um, the following season. And this year, we're just going to go out and compete real hard. We play on the 29th and the 30th in Daytona. That's close by. Yeah, very good. So we, yeah, we play in Daytona. We would love people to come out. You can get our our schedules from our website. And uh, you know, I just love it. I love the support. You know, and and the resources, obviously. 
and just playing in the SEC has been incredible. Well, we uh, we are happy for you. We wish you the best of luck in this basketball season. And that SEC platform is even bigger than the one you would have yes. had in the A-Sun. So that hopefully yes. will help create more dollars for your family and friends back in the Bahamas. You have a million-dollar smile, a magnetic personality. I'm sure that will help <laughs> hopefully create a lot of dollars, too. But uh, we yes, wanted to sure. do our part and at least spread the word. GoFundMe page. Coach Yo, Y-O, yes. look it up, see if you can contribute, and every dollar will help toward uh, the, the fine folks in the Bahamas. Great catching up with you, and give uh, everyone our best. Thank you so much, Brent. You okay, thank you. Good luck this season, Coach uh, Yolette McPhee-McHugh, and former JU women's basketball coach, now the women's basketball coach at Ole Miss. And again, our thoughts and uh, prayers with the, the her family and everybody uh, in the Bahamas. Those images are not going to get any better coming out of the Bahamas over the next uh couple of days it's just amazing if you see some of the the images that are are already out of there i didn't realize the death toll was already up to 25 coach yo just told us that um man this uh this is a a storm that did some some things that i'd never seen before not that i'm a uh, scientist or an expert in meteorology but uh what it did over the bahamas was uh was something else so good luck uh raising some funds and once again it's the gofundme page coach yo look that up her quest to raise fifty thousand dollars for uh the fine folks in the bahamas we're going to take a time out when we come back we have stay in your lane let's talk a little bit more football as we get back to that part of it the jazz will be back to work tomorrow everything is kind of back on here in jacksonville business as usual starting later tonight and into thursday uh what it means for the jaguars and maybe the college football scene too all on the way coming up on espn 690 all right welcome back here we'll take you up until six o'clock like we always do on action sports jacks on espn 690 and then i feel like we'll get a little bit back to normal tomorrow um, and in the next couple of days, we'll we'll get you set for the Jaguars. We'll talk a little more college football as well as we head into week two of the college season. We've got some picks coming up on Friday. Can't wait to get into that fantasy football. How about tomorrow? We go a little fantasy football at like four o'clock. We're gonna like live draft through the show. Yep. I have no idea how this works. I don't chaos. even do fantasy football very often, so now I have to juggle two things. I got a feeling you won't even be talking to me because you're gonna no. be locked in on oh, trying to win this deal. To my notes, yeah, of course. Brent, I mean, if you're going to play, you better play to win. That's all I know, I'm going to say. Do we have an interview going on in. at the same time at all? What's that? Do we have an interview happening at the same time? I've tried to avoid scheduling one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but how long do we have to, how long will this go on for? It depends. Like an um, hour? Maybe longer? Let's go ahead and bump that up a little bit. Yeah. Well, so I, de- I mean, it could take like an hour and 45 minutes, pending everyone takes a full minute per pick. But, you know, people go pretty fast with their picks, so it could probably, it'll probably take about an hour, 20 minutes. It'll go fast, and then hey, towards the later rounds, guess it'll what? slow up. It's not like we're going anywhere, Brent. We're here for three hours a day. We are. We are. I'm just debating on whether people want to really hear about who we're picking. Oh, I, yeah, I doubt it. Maybe every once in a like, while. like fantasy football thoughts. Like, I had sure. one today. Okay, here's yeah, what I'm going to give this like some kind of fantasy football on Fridays or something. Well, we can do it. Uh any day yeah all right so here's the question i get now listen this is a guy that does not play a lot of fantasy football but i get a lot of fantasy football questions well then direct him towards me the the, the guy who's won his championship the last like two years for fantasy qbs this week mahomes against jacksonville stingy defense or mitchell trubisky at home on primetime thursday night football give me is this what it's going to sound like tomorrow from four to five can i can i can i think about can it can i think about it play some music or something fine this is cool with Patrick mahomes mahomes all day. Mahomes. You're fine. Like, you don't have to. 
Like no, I'm, take, I'm taking my ball and going home. <laughs> I mean, well, dude, do you want me to sit and think about it a little bit, or you want me to give a fast answer? No, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I think Thursday night against Green Bay, Green Bay's defense is susceptible, but listen, the Bears' offense has been anything to shake a stick at lately. Allen Robinson's healthy again. You got Tree Cohen. You got the, the, the new kid at running back, but I think the Bears can try to pound the rock, uh, slow the game down, especially against the Green Bay team that relies on passing the ball, especially with Aaron Jones. Their running back in the backfield is more of a pass catcher than he is a power runner. So it could be kind of a track meet. I see the Bears slowing the game down. All right, so here's what I said. Okay. Okay. As the expert. Exactly what I just said. I said, okay, hard to sit Mahomes because he will throw so much. Yes. And I'm not a Mitchell Trubisky fan. Mm -hmm. Then he said, do you think Jacksonville will allow three touchdowns? I said, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. I think 27 points or under is what their goal should be. Correct. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right. There you go. Send. <laughs> that's my first. No, I already sent oh, it. Oh, you already sent it. Okay, like a while ago. Yeah, but yeah. That was my first bit of uh, uh, fantasy football yeah. advice. Oh, I'm definitely taking back from Holmes or Trubisky. Good call. I think that's a good question, though. Not a, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it's it's the Jacksonville defense, right? And Patrick Mahomes, assuming that you drafted him probably in the first probably three rounds, you drafted him super high for a quarterback, so you, all your chips are kind of in that boat. Uh, you kind of have to roll Patrick Mahomes if you can. And, yeah, I think even against Jacksonville, Mahomes should be all right. I'm going to put it on Twitter right now while you do stay in oh. your lane. Fantasy football this week, Mahomes or uh, Trubisky. Trubisky, and we'll see what we get. Okay. All right, you got to go, Mahomes. Uh, do you want me to tell you my NCAA predictions real quick, too? Oh, yeah, you never did that. I never did that. What, are you going to tell me in, like, October? I, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about it. Well, Brent, you know, I'm all about storylines, right? Check out these storylines. My predictions. One seed, Bama. Two seed, Ohio State. Three seed, Georgia. Four seed, Oklahoma. Do it again. S- Let me one, digest it. Alabama. Yep. Two seed, Ohio State. Three seed is going to be Georgia, and the four seed is going to be Oklahoma. It's going to be Bama versus Oklahoma. It's going to be Hurts. It's going to be Ur- versus yep. Tua. Exactly, and it's going to be Fields and Fox. Exactly. Ah, and, I like and get it. This, and I have Bama uh, winning against Oklahoma. I got Ohio State beating Georgia, and I have Bama winning the whole thing. Well, yeah. Clemson's not making it. Wait a minute. What are they no, doing about that? Actually, you did by yeah, Clemson. Hey, Clemson second, that's, that's a limb, man. So what actually you did is you, you said, all right, screw you, Pac-12. You're terrible anyway, so we know you're not getting in Correct. again. And then you said. I have Clemson either losing to A&M this weekend or Syracuse possibly at Syracuse. Week. That's yes. coming up. I think, I think it's the next week game. Correct. Uh, the, and so instead you replace them with a, a good Georgia team. Correct. Well, but it's fascinating because two teams obviously can get in, and the SEC yep. has done that before. It's just how that manifests itself. Yeah. You know, where does the loss come and what creates that situation? Yep. And in 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 honest, uh, I mean, in all uh, uh, reality, nothing to do with honest or f- fair, mm-hmm. is Clemson probably even with a loss early no. might be able to get in themselves. Oh, without Because there will be so much respect, especially if they start crushing people again. Yeah. But with their schedule, with the expectations, can they get away with a loss? Uh, that'll be fascinating. I like it. There I like you, you went, hey, you went different. Storylines, though, man. It's all the transfer portal. That's yeah. what I was going with. <laughs> it's all about the transfer portal. That's what I'm going with. Uh, that'd be fascinating. All right, stay in your lane. Uh, I thought you'd put the song, Coos. My bad. Yeah. Start the car. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Usually we're not ready for the oh, no, the, yeah. the storm tracker to start up. Uh, I literally put it in my I put it in my notes. Get ready for the song because it always messes up my flow when I go to stay in your lane. So I had it in my notes today. And you just put in your notes. Don't get ready for the song, but get ready for the sound effect. Yeah, there you All right? go. It's kind of like a drop versus a button. Good call. Oh, 
Very debatable. Uh, cruise control, Brett. Um, I think if we look back at the U.S. Open this year, and granted it's still going on right now, but I think it's safe to say that when Venus and Serena Williams uh, decide to retire, whenever that is, the game of tennis in terms of the women is going to be in great hands with players like Naomi Osaka and Coco Gauff. Uh, listen to this post-match interview after Naomi Osaka beat Coco Gauff this past weekend. Uh, a little note here, Coco Gauff was the youngest competitor to make it in the third round since 1996, and that was Anna Kornikova. But check, check out this post-match interview here. Tell us what Naomi told you at the net. Um, she told me that I did amazing and good luck, and then she asked if I could do an on-court interview with her, and... I said no because I knew I was going to cry the whole time, but she encouraged me to do it. What has the experience been like and tonight playing against one of the very best in the world, number one, Naomi? I mean, it was amazing. I mean, she did amazing, and I'm going to learn a lot from this match. And she's been so sweet to me, so thank you for this. Thank you. So that's Coco Goff, 15 years old, on one of tennis's biggest stages. And I thought losing with a bunch of class, a bunch of dignity. Because, Brent, if I was 15 years old and I was in this situation, I would have been heading for the hills and crying my eyes out. But not to be outdone, Naomi Osaka also had something to say. Obviously, she was the winner. And listen to what she says about Coco Goff and her parents. You're used to being the young one. What's it like now being the veteran and mentoring someone like Coco? Um, I mean, I don't think I'm a mentor. Um, I just want to say if they're still here. Um, you guys raised an amazing player. Um, I remember I used to see you guys. I don't want to cry. I remember oh, I used to see you guys. Sorry. This is an emotional night, everybody. I remember I used to see you guys training in the same place as us. And for me, like the fact that both of us made it, um, and we're both still working as hard as we can. I think it's incredible. And I think you guys are amazing. I think Coco, you're amazing. There you go. I think it's, you know. Women's tennis. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. Uh, I thought, I saw that, and I thought it was pretty good. And there's two thoughts I have in this. One is I have two 14-year-olds. So the so Goff at 15 years old, to be the present she has. The mm-hmm. it, It's amazing when you are a star athlete how... And, and probably this could be the case in a lot of different things, but I, we're around athletes and a lot of young athletes that do really well. I say this even about like high school seniors or young, like, uh, you know, the big time quarterback, maybe a Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that gets all the attention at a young age. It's not easy, but it makes you grow up so much faster. You know, you mm-hmm. have to grow up so much faster than everybody else because you have to carry yourself in a certain way or you will be criticized in front of millions. It's just True. the way it is. I don't care if you're 15 or not. Ah, and so I think there is something. And, and then there's also this genuine innocence about an athlete that's 15. Right. Yeah. It just comes across. It is what it is. And I think that was special about that moment. The other thing that uh, all of a sudden women's tennis, which I really hadn't heard much about in years other than Serena Williams and Venus Williams. I think as a lot of this is Serena Williams, but it's they've done a nice job for the sport and for sports in general in the last couple of months and really just a couple of weeks. Remember Serena Williams? Didn't we play the, the part where uh, she had to retire because of uh, an injury? Correct. She tried to gut it out, and then her opponent was saying, I really didn't want to win this way. Yeah. Uh, I've looked up to you, you know, dropped some F-bombs in that conversation too. Yeah. But – and that was cool. It was like this sportsmanship 
of women's tennis in the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe it's been a month, has really been evident. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good for sports in general. I think it's good for uh, young athletes. And I think it's specifically good for young female athletes to take a look at. So I think women's tennis has had a very nice couple of moments with this one and going back to the Serena moment a few weeks back. And Serena's been so good anyway on the platform, on so many different levels, now being a mom, coming back, talking about being a mom and playing a professional sport. So there's a lot of good momentum, I feel like, in the tennis world on the women's side that I hadn't really felt for a long, long time just because it was dominated pretty much by Serena Williams. Of course, and you have the younger talent, Brent, because don't forget, Asaka's only 21 years old, True. so she's young in her own route, uh, in her own right, but then you have the men's side, and listen, Federer's not going to play forever. I uh, heard that last Djokovic's night. not going to play forever. Nadal's not going to play forever, and it seems like the new batch of young guys coming up are cocky, arrogant, yeah. and are making the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Now, yes. Could be good. It is good. I mean, like, you know, it's kind of it's like that John McEnroe kind of yeah. esque, right? Where I think personality, I not think, clean cut. I think at the time when John McEnroe was big, I think people were annoyed with him. But it wasn't until years later where you kind of realized the brilliance. Kind of yes. like I mean, I'd have John McEnroe in my generation. I didn't really know who he was, but watching his old highlight films and everything, I can appreciate it. And I think that's what's maybe happening now. But we'll see. I think the fact that the younger guys too are European or they're foreign. Uh, another guy from Australia, I forgot his name, but he's kind of outlandish and out there as well. Yeah, that's uh, Garicus. Garikos, yeah, yeah. Garikos, I think. Yeah, so I think like, I, I have a hard time watching him, but again, he might be good for tennis. He might be good because for he's tennis. a moron on the court. But, but yeah, but the fact that he's not American, I might, I mean, might hurt him here in the states. But I'm not sure how it is on a global scale. So we'll, well see. Here's what I always say too: is that see, golf could really help women's tennis if she's a star because we need American stars. Yeah, you do. I mean, yeah. from at least from a, maybe not tennis in the in the international game, but from the United States brand, you need American stars. Yeah, and on the men's side. There's been nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you cling to John Isner? Probably not. I mean, Andy Roddick was the best one, and, and he was really in the grand scheme of things. Andy Roddick compared to, like, the Agassiz and Sampras's and, and obviously the Federer's and Nadal. I mean, Andy mm-hmm. Roddick was mid-level, you know, but for an American, he was like our American star for a while. Yeah. So uh, you're right. I mean, the personalities on the men's side, the sportsmanship on the women's side, maybe it is a little bit of a, a revival of sorts. For tennis, it could be. We'll see uh, where it goes. I've been watching the U.S. Open. You know, I always gauge it off Ty too. See, Ty watches everything. Yeah. But if you got a kid that's well, he's 14 years old and he's watching, he's been locked in on the tennis. Yeah. Like, that's a good thing for the sport if a kid's watching it. No, I agree with you completely for sure. We got to pump your brakes real quick or not? Uh, I guess we do have to do that. Yeah, I'm pump your brakes uh, real fast. Over the weekend, All Elite Wrestling All Out took place. We could talk about it maybe more tomorrow. But one of the biggest stories is Chris Jericho beating Hangman Page uh, for the championship, the heavyweight championship of the world. Um, supposedly, I thought this was kind of just like a. Was it staged? Well, it wasn't. I thought it was staged until the Tallahassee police actually reported the incident and posted it to the website. Um, it's too long to read, but basically what happened was Jericho went to Longhorn Steakhouse, uh, left the belt in the cab. Cab comes back and the belt is gone. But I'm it cl- had to be staged. But man. who leaves a championship belt in a cab? But but I'm glad to say that the belt has been recovered according to the Tallahassee Police Department. Is this a work? Did this actually happen? I'm not sure, but people are talking about it, so who knows? All right, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Jags will be back at work tomorrow, and I'm going to go work on my body for the next body (laughs) issue. Have a good night. Thanks for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.